Stand by to launch FanStream Sports. Let's start. Hello, sports fans. Welcome to FanStream Sports. Nothing. Nothing but pure sports. This is the JP Show. JP, it is so good to hear you back on the air. Stand by now. Here's JP. All right, welcome into another edition of the JP Peterson Show here as we're coming to you live from our Orlando uh, office. And Nick Geddes is in our live in our St. Pete studios there at CP Communications. Red House streaming as uh, we get set for... Well, it's certainly not a victory Friday after the Bolts get stomped by the Maple Leafs last night, 7-2 in a game that was, uh, well, somewhat expected. Uh, we talked about this yesterday. We didn't expect the Lightning to come back with a win, but they do come back with a 1-1 series. They've regained home ice advantage, and they'll just finish this in six. So we'll see how it all goes down. Uh, good morning to you. We're brought to you by the great folks at the Jeeves Law Group, J-E-E-V-E-S Law Group.com at Bay Area Modern Medical Center. In our first hour, Nick Geddes, good morning to you. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great, as bad as I can do after a 7-2 to loss. And that is because, I tell you what, last night I went to Sparkman Wharf, like I said I would, first time <laughs> ever for me at a watch party. And I met, I have to just get this off my chest. I, You know me, I don't like to usually go out of my way to talk to people, right? Especially strangers. No, no Especially strangers. rather introverted. Mm-hmm. And this guy walks up to me while my friends were getting drinks and kind of invades our space. And he's one of those guys that's just yapping, yapping. And yeah. I'm trying to watch the game. Did and, he know you were a local celebrity? Uh, no, and this is why. <laughs> I can't believe the odds of this. He was from Halifax, Nova Scotia. Nova Scotia? Halifax, Nova, Nova Scotia? Halifax, Nova Scotia with his girlfriend visiting his girlfriend's parents who just moved to Eastlake. And this is his first time out of the country, and this guy had no idea about anything about America. So it's like I'm like going over like culture basically with him as I'm watching the Lightning game. And he was drinking way too much, and it ended up it was he told a he told a worker at Sparkman Wharf who was just doing his job. He said, "Can you please go away?" It's what he told the worker near us eventually because he got so drunk. He's like, "Can you please go away?" And we had to, like, cover for this guy because he was getting in a lot of trouble around Sparkman Wharf last night. But he was hilarious. So, His name was Huey. I'll never forget the name Huey. <laughs> it sounds like my friend Huey from Fort Lauderdale. Crazy. Yes. Dude. Crazy. Incredibly dude. annoying. And he's, like, yes. telling me. He's, like, everyone's telling me to go to Ebor. And I'm, like, you do not need to go to Ebor, my friend. Like, ever. You need to go to Ebor right now. Why didn't you just get tell him to pound sand and get the hell away from you You're watching a hockey game he turned into be such an entertain he was so entertaining it turned into like all of my <laughs> friends we were all just like vibing with this dude and i was like i want i he wanted us to go out with him and i was and i didn't want to go out obviously because we got the show but i was tempted because i just wanted to be around huey i mean he was hilarious oh, so so it turned into he wasn't annoying he was funny he was really funny mm-hmm. and he was so like he was so drunk and that's what made it really funny did he have a, a bit of an irish accent some of the new his and name Nova was, Scotia people do, yeah, yeah, because his last name was McGinnis, Huey McGinnis. Yeah, I'll yeah. never forget that. Huey McGinnis. And I have no idea how he where he ended up, but how how did you not get his phone number and get him on the show today? That's what I want to know. I got how, his, how did that? Not I happen? got his Snapchat. I can tell you that he added well, us all on go. Snapchat and Instagram and all that kind of stuff. So, well, we got to get Huey on the show. I want to I want to hear what his perspective was of his first lightning. Uh, he didn't watch, watch much party. Of the, he didn't watch much of the game. I'm going to be honest with you. He didn't. He was just hammered, just <laughs> pounding, just pounding beers. 
I love that. But he made love my that. experience nice down there. Oh, good. I thought it was going to be a horror story, but it's see, you never know. You start talking to people. This is what I tell you all the time. You may meet some of the most fascinating people you've ever met in your life, become fast friends. Heck, a year from now, you'll be going up to Nova Scotia, going finish fishing with old Huey. McGinnis. Oh, he's already trying to get you me see. to Nova Scotia. He's already there you trying go. to get me to Nova Scotia. Dude, embrace embrace it. Embrace the world. Embrace other people. You never know. I mean, yeah, eight times out of ten, they're probably going to be a holes. But you, <laughs> but you never know. You can meet a you can meet a star like this. You just never know. That's what that's what makes you know talk. You never just talk to people. Find out who they are. You know, if they're if they're weirdos, you just call ass. Um, all right, that's uh, probably not why people tuned in. We are going to have Dan Lucas join us from News Channel Eight at ten thirty. Always have fun talking to Dan. We'll talk some bolts. Bucks and Rays, and uh, Eric Erlinson will join us, Lightning Insider, at 11.30 and get his take on the debacle that was last night in Toronto. I, I mean, I, I said it yesterday at the end of the game, um, or at the end of the show, I don't, I didn't expect the Lightning to win last night. Um, I thought it was going to be tough. Um, somebody asked me, I, I thought it would be like 5-2. Um, it just, it, it, you're losing Chernak and Hedman. You've already won game one and AC Mon. You, you're already one game one. Uh, Toronto was embarrassed. You knew they were going to come out with their best effort. Everything was setting up for a big Toronto win. And, you know, it's – and I loved Cooper's response afterwards. It was just like uh, – and you'll hear it. We're going to play Cooper here in a second when Ed Encina was like, you know, are you kind of worried that that lack of urgency that they showed in the second <laughs> – and, and Coop's like, Ed, Ed, come on, come on. No, I'm not worried. These guys know what to do. This is completely expected. It's a seven-game series. It's going to ebb and flow just like it did last year when Toronto came out and blitzed the Lightning five to nothing. Lightning came back and, and went and won the series in in, uh, in seven games, two to one in, uh, up there in Toronto. So look, it's not. It, this is not a something that is crept into their game. This is not something that is to be worried about. At least I don't think so. I mean, it, it may show in the end that Toronto is just a better. Hockey team. I see this as two very evenly matched hockey teams, um, except when the Lightning play without Chernak and Hedman, and it's it's decidedly tilted towards Toronto. This is not. This should not be a surprise. When I heard Hedman wasn't playing, I was like, "Well, they really got no chance tonight." And that's just the way it is. You can't lose your two top defensemen or two of your three top defensemen. Certainly, your two best defenders, um, and think you're going to win a game in Toronto when they're down 1-0 and we're embarrassed in game one. Um, so my take on this whole game was completely expected. Uh, I didn't think Vasilevsky played his best game. Um, I'd, I'd say there a couple of those goals he would probably want back. Um, so and, and this, a few things we know. This team doesn't play well without Victor Hedman. It's certainly not going to play well without Chernak and Hedman. And it's not going to play well when Vasi doesn't play well. It's as simple as that. All those three things going against you, plus a damn good Toronto team, which maybe some people have forgotten. The bottom line is there's no time to panic. If you're a Lightning player, if you're a Lightning coach, and if you're a Lightning fan, we're talking to you, do not panic. This is, you know, I, I hate to say it, but they got them right where they want them. They stole one. Now they get they come back to home. They've got home ice, and they can get this thing done in six. If not, maybe seven. Um, do I do I I feel like watching the first two games that the Lightning are the decidedly better team? No, I don't think that at all. I think it's a very even matchup. Um, it's you know I, I feel pretty much the way I felt going in that the goaltending should be the difference in this in this series. 
And let's hope that it is because I think Vassie is still the better goaltender, even though he didn't play great last night. But, but again, the Lightning were not on their details. Um, they made a lot of mistakes. They had a lot of turnovers in their own end, which are, it, you know, that's going to leave the, the, the goalie hanging out to dry. Um, look, Tavares was good, had the hat trick, uh, great shot on that second goal. Um, it, it's kind of fooled Vassy. They were really good. It's exactly what I expected, but I don't, I, I'm not freaking out that the Lightning are overmatched in this series whatsoever. Yeah, I, What's your I, take? I wouldn't freak out either. Um, you know, Toronto, we, we got them, we got them in game one, and the difference is our stars dictated game one, and I called out Toronto's stars. Where are you? And right. here comes Mitch Marner with two goals. He showed up. John Tavares, who I didn't even mention him much because that's how much of a non-factor I thought he was in game one, scores the hat trick. Uh, I don't think Matthews – Matthews, to me, that's the thing. I still don't think he was that noticeable last night no, considering the fact no. they scored seven goals. But uh, you talk about players that elevate their game. William Nylander, I think, is their best player night in and night out in the playoffs. He elevates his game. So, and that was the difference. Morgan Riley, I think, had four points on the blue line. More assists, yeah. I mean, there yeah. you go. I mean, that's the difference right there. Your star's got to show up. Uh, Toronto's met the, met the call last night. The Lightning didn't. And even then, I don't know about how you felt about it, but the first 10 minutes of the first period, I generally loved the Lightning's game. They were up 8-1 in shots through the first, like I think, 8 or 9 minutes of the game, the only shot being the goal. And, you know, that kind of puts you behind the eight ball when you have a silly pass there from Kalorn, forces right. Ian Cole to taking a penalty, and then Marner scores right after um, that's one of those goals where I don't think Vasilevsky was expecting five hole necessarily yeah. on a slap shot from that far out. Uh, but I, I, I think he probably would have loved to have that one back though. I thought that was a little light, but I thought they responded well after that. They got power play opportunities. And again, they just, they couldn't convert on the power play and they couldn't hit the net. That was the big yeah, thing on those power plays. At 14, about fourteen fifty, the Lightning on the power play. Point had a great opportunity from the slot, and Samsonov made a great save. Yep. I thought that was a big play in the game because, as you mentioned, after that initial Toronto power play, the Lightning, I thought, kind of owned the play. If they get that goal right there and even things up 1-1, I think it, it may be a different hockey game. Um, but in the end, I still think it was just – and those – I think it was Ryan Callahan who mentioned this in the game is – uh, Toronto just dominated possession and the face-offs. Face-offs were huge last night. It seems every time Toronto won a big face-off, it ended up in the back of the Lightning's net. So their face-offs were not good. The Lightning need to desperately improve on that. But in the, even in their cycling, and when when Toronto gets cycling like that, and and they just maintain possession of the puck, it builds momentum. And Chernak and Hedman are, are are guys that can recognize that and kind of disrupt what they're doing turn the puck over and get it going the other way just with their anticipation. I thought that was a great point that I think it was either Callahan, I think Callahan made, but it was, that's something that they missed that they, they needed desperately last night. And I thought Toronto kind of controlled the game that way. And that's why, you know, that's why when you have two defensemen that are that good, it, it makes a big difference. Yeah. And, and, uh, and I know, wonder, I wonder how much them being out did play. I mean, obviously it played a role, but I will say, like, Flurry and Bogosian, if people are going to point to those two and say, like, oh, they were the weak links, well, I mean, Flurry was even on the night, and Bogosian was one of three players who was plus one for the Lightning. Yeah. So I don't know if it had more to do with them or it had more to do with more plate on the Sergachevs of the world and the Nick Perbixes of the world and Radish and those guys. Maybe they just had too much on their plate then, and they had to play a lot more than they're used to. I think that's more the effect probably you got out of not having Hedman and Chernak than, than mostly having Flurry and Bogosian in there. Yeah, that, that, that's true, too. 
I think it's, you know, sometimes it's not what those players who were on the ice did. It's what the guys that didn't play would have done and getting those turnovers and getting the, you know, starting the, the breakouts, uh, making those key plays that, that, that disrupt goals. So look, you just, you know, you crumple it up, throw it in the wash in, 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 in the garbage can and come back and get ready for game three. Hopefully Hedman will be back. Um, from what I've heard on Chernak, uh, I think he'll be back as well. So then we'll get back to even strength, and we'll see, you know, see who can who, who wins. And, and and don't forget, the Lightning have been dramatically better at home than they have been on the road this year. So um, you were you just want to get one, man. I was worried they weren't going to be able to win anything on the road in Toronto. That yeah. was my my biggest fear. Yeah, and they to, did that, so now they got it. Yeah, you had to get one. And again, looking at trends around the league, six of the eight series are one one right now. Right. Six of the eight series yeah, are one. So, so I mean, this is this is what usually you just want to get one. All right, let's listen into uh, uh, a completely unfazed John Cooper uh, after the game last night in Toronto. As he met the media. I'm, I'm wondering when your team loses a game in that manner and the veterans they are, is it a night where you address them post-game or do you leave it to them to, to sort out? Uh, well, there's nothing really to sort out. <laughs> the game's over, so it's... Uh, but no, we... we we spoke after, but I mean, these guys are pros. It's we all had a really close seat to what happened, and uh, they know what's going on. John, I know you're not one to ever really replace your goalie at any point. Did you even consider it though after the second period there? Uh, I did, and that was quickly shut down by the goalie. And so he, uh, that's why he's the best in the world. He's not coming out, and uh, so. Once again, tip your uh, tip your cap to that kid. John, I know you're not one to make excuses, but if you can, you know, in your words, explain what it's like when you're you, you play a full game without Victor Hemmen and what he brings. Like, how do you fill that void? Listen, this had nothing to do with Victor Hedman being out of the game. Um, we've won games in this league without Victor Hedman. I could sit here and go through a hundred years of cliches. One team wins game one, the other team gets, next team gets blown out in game two. Which one do you want? In the end, did we play hard enough to win? Probably not. Was there a team that was a little bit more urgent? Just flip the, just look at last year's series. It's the exact same, just flip it. And now we're going back to Tampa. But it's, um, it's not because one guy was out. That's that would be just a poor, poor excuse. Okay, John. It's I guess it's not very surprising that you're one-one. But are you surprised at how you get how you got to one-one? <laughs> and it's a funny game, right? Like you're sitting here thinking three-two. One of these went to overtime, uh, and you've got two one-sided affairs. Um, what happens is when you play a team as often as we've played the Leafs in the last couple of years, especially in, in the playoffs, you're probably going to get games like this. But as series move on, the, the, the scores get tighter. But it is, uh, I don't know, it is a weird one that in, in both these cases, I, I think both games mirrored each other. Isn't it three nothing? And then there's a little bit of a pushback, and then it's a it's a funny game. Eh, that's why we love this game. 
John, you've used the term urgency a lot in that second half of the season when maybe sometimes your guys didn't have that, that urgency. Is there any concern about that, that some of that stuff that you saw in the second half may creep in? Or? Ed, it's, it's a seven-game series. It's not a one-game, one-and-done. We'll be all right. <laughs> John, for the challenge for you, how does it change when Toronto goes three centers deep and has O'Reilly in the 3C spot? How does that change? So how many centers deep are we? Let me ask you that. Well, I'm just saying last game they... they give, me, give me points, Sorelli and Paul, all day against anybody in the league. Salty Cooper. I love it. Um, I'm getting a little bit feedback here like uh, i got you listen um i love i love coop's response to that at the end there you know trying to you know it, it's funny coop kind of anticipates the questions and and kind of reads into the questions which i think is is fantastic and, and not nothing against that and seen at all that's a question that need to be asked of course you know are you worried is this is this a spillover we talk about flipping the switch well this is the opposite of flipping the switch Sometimes you can't flip the switch, right? Sometimes the other team jumps up on you and are these old habits. But I think, you know, I, I think Cooper wanted to shut that down right away, not to let that become some type of narrative um, that, okay, maybe they, you know, they flipped the switch in game one. And I've had some people text me and say, well, maybe game one was the, uh, was, was the outlier and it's really more about game two. Well, how do you know that? I mean, let, let's not forget. I mean, Hedman and Chernak did not play. And I know, I know Coop doesn't want to – he never wants to let excuses go out there. But come on, let, let's be real. You know, if, if take away their, the Toronto's top two or two of their top three defensemen, and Morgan Riley had, what, four, four assists last yep. night? Yep. I mean, let, let, let's, just, let's just keep it real. Plus, everything else that was going against the Lightning, right? The second game, Toronto a little bit more calm than they were in game one. Um, all those things. Um, and again, did, did anybody think the Lightning are seven to three better than Toronto after game one? No, not at all. Did, what was, was anybody saying, oh, this, the Lightning are going to sweep now? I don't, maybe people were, but I certainly, we certainly yeah. weren't. No, we're, we weren't, we weren't making any grand, it's an even series. You got one on their ice. That's the most important thing. Now let's go. Let's see and what I, happens in three and four. And I almost feel like you just bury both of these games because they're so lop, right. because they were so lopsided. And in a way, I thought they were both a little mucked up at times too. With us, I mean, yesterday we talked about it. Were the Lightning going to like retaliate and stuff? And they got Tanner Janot back, who, by the way, he looks like he needs to be on Ooh. the undercard of, of, oh my of Tank and Garcia tomorrow. My goodness. I mean, the blood coming on Luke Shen's face. As he's going, that's a hockey guy right there, by the way. Yeah, Luke I, got a couple of good looks Luke, in, too. Luke that was some, a good fight. That was as good a fight as uh, I've seen in a long you, time. You see, Janot had blood on his fist, and it was icing yeah. it down and everything in the box. So that was pretty funny. <laughs> Even Bogosian, I think he, like, tackled Giordano to the ground. So there was a lot of that going on yesterday. Uh, I think the Lightning racked up probably, like, 50 penalty minutes total. Uh, it was kind of funny there at the end when they had three guys in the box, Perry, Janot, and Maroon. What a group that is sitting in the box with all Toronto fans going crazy, which I know you want to get to, which means I know you want to get to this one. The, well, we got we to gotta play this, don't we? I, now that Absolutely. I've opened it up, we have to get to the audio, so let me. Well, listen, first of all, you know, Toronto's fans completely losing their mind because uh, Lightning players in the penalty box or Janot or whatever – I mean, they've been to hockey games before, right? Like guys go into the penalty box after they fight. 
But evidently, the, the people that live around the Toronto or the Lightning penalty box, the opposing team penalty box, um, have some special talents. I don't know, but I think uh, Phil Esposito, Hall of Famer and great analyst that he was, I think he, I think he identified their special talents quite clearly in this clip. There's activity by the Lightning penalty box. They the Lightning are upset right, with some of the fans over me, there. You got a fat woman who's yapping like crazy. Is that a guy with long hair? I can't tell. Classic Espo. Oh, and I love some of the comments on you know from the Twitter post. It's like, oh, he's gonna get canceled. Oh my God, what is he can't say that? Phil Esposito. On, is, Phil Esposito is uncancelable. Uncancelable. If that's even well, a word. It's right. Yes, yeah, I think it is. Uh, you can't be canceled. Uh, listen, you know, people are gonna lose their mind over that. Really? You got a um, fat woman. It's still a choice, by the way. Easy. You sent me that, or I saw you post that video on Twitter this morning, and I'm in my house. I'm just dying laughing at like 7 in the morning, my entire house today. I mean, probably disturbing my neighbor. I was laughing obnoxiously loud at Phil Esposito saying that. Yeah, Probably way fantastic. too much. Listen, I'm not, um, you know, we, we, we could take a couple things from, from this game, but not much. Um, I thought I would like to see Vassy sharper than he was. That's number one for me, and I think he will be. Um, other than that, yeah, I throw it all out. Yeah, but, I don't think look, I don't think momentum carries over in these games. I really don't. I think that's such I'm a, glad you said that. I, I think that's such a thing that people talk about is momentum, momentum. You got to have this and that. And I think we talked about it with some guys before going into the postseason because Lightning were playing well, and they're like, "That's a myth. It's a myth." Yeah. Once you get to the playoffs, there's no momentum, and I just don't know how much there really is one game to the next either. I really don't. I've seen situations where the Lightning in past years where you would think, oh, that's a killer. That's going to kill their momentum, right? That's going to stall things out. And then they'd come back the next game and they'd kick somebody's ass. I mean, I just feel like that's what goes on in the playoffs. Yeah, I think hockey's a lot like baseball. Momentum is the next day starting pitcher, right? It's it's how are you playing that day in that game? How does that game start? Like, okay, if you're going to say the Lightning had momentum after game one, uh, 40 seconds in, do they still have momentum? They've, they've, they've given up gone, a tripping right call, and, and Marner scores, and the place freaking explodes. You think the Lightning were full of confidence because they won 7-3? to three? No, they're like, oh, crap, we're in trouble. This place is on fire, and we just gave up a cheap goal. Um, no, they, it, and, and that's that's how it works. There is no momentum. Brian Engblom, I thought, spoke very uh, eloquently about this on our postgame show, and I asked him, I said, you know, is that does momentum carry over into the playoffs from the season? I mean, here's the Lightning – they lost five in a row, but they had good feeling at the Red Wings game. You know, they beat them 5 nothing. They get the shutout. Uh, a couple of guys got off the schneid, so does that carry in? He says, absolutely not. He says, no way. First of all, it's, you know, five, six days later. Uh, second of all, no. It's it's all about the matchups and how you're playing against that particular team. Um, how are You know, what are they doing to – to uh, early on in the game to carry the puck possession. That's what mo- – that is momentum. Shift to shift is momentum. You can build that within a game, but not game to game. Uh, so I think that's – yeah. If you thought the Lightning had momentum with a 7-3 uh, win, um, you don't know much about hockey. It doesn't work that way. It's it's the next game. It's what happens in that game. And then, and then it's that – you know, we talk about this so much. It's something that the Lightning do so well. After that goal they gave up, what did, you said it earlier. They they go they go eight nothing on the next eight shots. I thought they, and they responded get a power play. Well, yeah. They responded fantastically well. 
In fact, I thought, okay, we're back in this game. And when Point, if I swear, if Point makes that, if he Samsonov made a great save on that one in the slot with about fourteen fifty uh, in the into the first. And to me, I was like, oh man, if they got that one and they didn't score on that power play, obviously, that I think would have been a little different. I think that puts a little bit of doubt, you know. And then the Lightning grabbed the momentum. So yeah, I think the mo- momentum is built within a game and within shifts. But I don't think it's game to game. I don't think it's regular season to postseason. I mean, look, you know, the Boston came out and lost game one, game one, but Florida was the better team, and then lost game two, and Florida was the better team. So does Boston have any momentum from this, you know, 150 win season? No, they don't. They're tied one one. They've lost home ice advantage, and they're going to to the rinky dink uh, place in Sunrise, and they got a series on their hands. So no, and the Lightning have no, you know, are they? Is there momentum stealing one in Toronto? I think it makes you feel good that you're in the series and you're not, you know, that, you know, everybody thought Toronto was such a better team. And now you've kind of taken that whole narrative away. It's an even series. I, I still can't, it would be hard for me to pick a winner right now. If I have to pick a winner, I'm going to go with the lightning because of their experience and they've regained home ice advantage now, which I think is a little bit more important this year because they have not been good on the road. They've been much better at home. So yeah, I think I think if I have to pick a winner right now, it's the Lightning. But I'm uh, you know yeah. I'm certainly not betting the house. I'll sum up maybe the yeah I'll sum up the two games right here. I'll sum it up. These are both two probably pretty evenly matched teams from a talent standpoint. Okay, you give the edge to Vasilevsky and Net, of course. What you saw in Game One was a Lightning team that's very talented that played nearly their best that they could play, and it didn't matter who was across from them they were going to win that game by a good margin. And you saw the same thing in Game 2, just flip it. Toronto, really good, talented hockey team, played their best game of the season, and it didn't matter who was across from them, they were going to win that game. And that happens. Yeah. It's yeah. that simple, in my opinion. I think it's going to – I think last year's series with Toronto was the best series of um, – of the entire playoffs, like the Florida series was the year before. Um, winning the first one, uh, players will tell you that's the toughest round to win is that first one. So winning that first one is because everybody's got that energy. Everybody's, you know, for yep. the most part, they're as healthy as they're going to be in the playoffs. So everybody's got, you know, full gas tanks and they're ready to go. you got to survive that first one, and then you can really start digging in with some, you know, where I think more nuanced play takes over. Uh, a little bit more, and and the Lightning are really good at that. They're really good at that. So I like the spot that they're in right now. There's no question about it. Coming back 1-1 is, is I think, is as good as you could have hoped for for the Lightning, um, in, given the situation with Hedman and Chernak. So uh, let, let's, let's see what happens. And remember, Bunting is out for two more games. Um, not that that's a huge deal, but it's a deal. And hopefully, you know, Hedman and, and Chernak can come back and AC him on as well and get and get healthy. At this point, I don't, you know, we haven't heard anything, but um, a couple my sources are telling me that Chernak, if things go well, and uh, they can always have setbacks when it comes to these head hits. Uh, but right now, I think they're they're feeling optimistic he'll be able to play in Game Three. So we shall see. Let's hear from the captain if we can, Stephen Stamkos. Um, he met with the media last night, and I think uh, echoing a lot of Cooper's uh, comments as well. There's no there's no panic in this team. Well, listen. We knew they were gonna, <clears throat> you know, come back with a really big effort. That was that was the expectation from our group. Um, 
which needed some more urgency from us in terms of the details of the game and you know first shift or second shift whatever it was you know just lacked the the details there they get an early one and build momentum off that i mean i thought we responded well after that we had a couple good looks on the power plate and capitalized i thought you know the shots were, i think we're eight nine one at one point and then you know again just some little detailed areas where we were we were on it the first night um they weren't and it was almost just it's the polar opposite they they played really well and and we didn't do the things that we did well in game one and um we should expect more from from our group with the experience that we have we know teams are going to come out especially if they lose one at, at home but in saying that it's 1-1 one, one. um we wanted to take a game here we did and and we've been through a lot it's it's not a roller coaster of a series it's managed the emotions and come back home and and now it's our turn to um have a response game what was the challenge to be playing without Denver and Serna? Yeah, it is what it is. Obviously, we everyone in this room knows how important they are to to our back end. But no one's feeling sorry for you if you're missing guys, especially at this time of the year. Um, that's unfortunately part of the game. Um, you know, obviously tough to to see them both not be able to play. Um, very very good players. Very uh, important to us. But we still felt confident that if we put our game plan together. That, that we could make a, a competitive effort, but we didn't stick to the game plan, and, and Toronto played really well tonight. The, the, uh, the fights, the rough stuff there at the end, is that just part of the playoffs? Yeah, that's just playoff. That's playoff hockey. I mean, um, you know, I think you guys are all accustomed to, to that at this time of the year. It's just, it's a series, right? So you, you just try to build momentum in, in different ways. But, um, you know, we, we need a much more detailed effort next game. That's Steven Stamkos, the captain, right there. A detailed effort, yeah, uh, yes, no question about it. They need to take away time and space. Um, that's the formula. You saw it in game one. The Lightning were all over Toronto. It was less so in game two. It's the ebbs and flows, and that's what makes these hockey series so tremendous. Um, all right, we'll take our first break. We'll come back on the other side, talk a little uh, Rays baseball and, and Bucks as well. Guess what? Guess what? Tom Brady was asked if he's coming back to play. And guess what? He didn't say no. And he mentioned the Miami Dolphins. Of course we're going to talk about it. And some news with Tristan Wirfs as well. It's the J.P. Peterson Show coming to you live. Dan Lucas going to join us next from WFLA. We'll ask him about the Tom Brady question as well. So stay with us. Quick break. Are you experiencing those feelings of getting older, lower sex drive, fatigue, hot flashes, moodiness, or you just don't feel like you had the vitality you once had? It's a chronic problem here in the United States. You're not just getting old. It's likely low testosterone. Studies over the last 20 years show a shocking decline in younger males aged 16 to 39. Older men have seen a sharp decline as well. So do something about it. Go see my friend Christopher Lugo at Bay Area Modern Medicine. Look, testosterone replacement is not a frivolous treatment. It takes a professional targeted approach that focuses on total body wellness, vitality, and emotional stability, not a one-size-fits-all approach like many clinics use. They will monitor your blood work and adjust your treatment as needed for optimal results. Folks, I've been on testosterone therapy for over six years, and it is a life 
changer. You will feel and look better than you did 10 years ago. Give them a call at 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. That's 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. JP here for the Jeeves Law Group. Have you been injured in an accident, in an auto accident, truck accident, motorcycle accident, at work or at a place of business? Well, call the Jeeves Law Group and get the personal attention that you deserve. I made the mistake many, many years ago with going with one of the bigger law firms, the national law firms. And let me tell you, getting a call back from those folks was next to impossible. Weeks and weeks would go by never get a call back that doesn't happen with the jeeves law group personal attention is what they're all about when you call the jeeves law group you will be part of the family they will represent you in a vigorous and aggressive way against the insurance companies these larger companies will promise bigger settlements but it's the jeeves law group that will get you the best results if you're tired of dealing with these bigger law firms check out the jeeves law group go to jeeveslawgroup.com tell them jp sent you get a free consultation it's the Jeeves Law Group. Scott Jeeves has been representing clients in the Tampa Bay area for over 25 years. Give them a call. It's a free call. 727-894-2929. 727-894-2929. Or go to JeevesLawGroup.com. Folks, there is no better place to shop for jewelry than the Gold and Diamond Source. They are the family jewelers, and they will treat you like family. They'll make it a fun experience. People come from all over to shop at the Gold and Diamond Source because of their great customer service and incredible, impeccable reputation. No sales pressure, no intimidation, and they have the largest selection of hand-picked diamonds. And by the way, diamonds are the April birthstone. So this month only, they are offering 15% off their diamond birthstone collection available on just select products. And you've probably heard a lot about lab-created diamonds, folks. They hold no real value. You will have no resale value whatsoever with a lab-created diamond, and of course, it's fake. It doesn't mean as much. The Golden Diamond Source has plenty of options to accommodate any budget, folks. Interest-free financing up to five years, a layaway program, 20% down, and only six monthly payments. And, of course, the Diamond Savings Account, where you get full value of your diamond when you look to upgrade. It's all there for you at the Golden Diamond Source, 3800 Homerton Road, always online at thegoldendiamondsource.com. Coming back at you. Now, more with JP on Fan Stream Sports. It's only just begun. All right, welcome back. The J.P. Peterson Show coming to you live from our Orlando campus. Uh, and there's Nick Geddes in our St. Pete studio there at CP Communications, Red House Streaming. And we welcome in the world-famous Lou. We're not booing him. We're saying Luke. <laughs> the great Dan Lucas from News Channel 8 joining us here. What's up, Luke? How you doing, buddy? I got booed on uh, social media by the Leafs fans. <laughs> Why? Last night, some guy goes, "What do you mean? What do you mean it's a Shen slushy? What? What do you think they were scraping off of the ice? You, you got to pay four bucks for that at Seven Eleven, buddy." That was the wild cherry flavor, I believe, as well, wasn't it? Right, exactly. Yes, it was. Is it well, wild cherry slurp? Hey, you may be old enough to remember this. Remember Slurpees in the uh, baseball helmets? Absolutely. Oh yeah, I collect. I had all the helmets. Had all the helmets sitting on my on my window ledge there. Oh man, the coveted. Uh, I remember the, the remember the old Seattle Mariners helmet that was blue and it had the yes. like the the fork looking M 
Yeah. You got one of those. That was awesome. That, I, I probably had 50 Reds helmets, though. I would always get, if they had Reds helmets, I would get the Reds <laughs> exactly. helmets. Man, exactly. we, could do, we could do a whole show this summer on just fun collectibles from our, our generation. The Slurpee, the, the helmets. Oh, gosh, so many, so many fun things that we had back in the day. That uh, Nick, all you guys got is NFTs now. Can Doesn't somebody that suck? Can somebody you can't please, even hold it? Can somebody please bring back the WWF ice cream bars? That's all I ask. That's all <laughs> that I means- ask. Please bring those back. <laughs> was was a Hulk? You had a Hulkamania flavor. What, what was that? Okay, that was a little before me. Dan, did you ever have a WWF, a WWF ice cream bar? I know what these. I I know what they were. No, I never did. But I I knew exactly what they were. I did have some of the figures. Uh, the action figures uh, growing up, so that was my. It, we could go all day on wrestling. By the way, I grew up in Tampa. That's to me the birthplace of of wrestling as we know it. And uh, Saturday nights on Channel Forty Four with Gordon Soley. That was my. That was oh. my upbringing. And uh, you know, see, that's when I loved wrestling. I loved the oh, absolutely Florida Some World Championship guys. with Gordon Soley and and Dusty Dust Rhodes, the Bionic <laughs> Elbow, and the Junkyard right. Dog. You know, this... Let me tell you something, brother. <laughs> They were great, great, great interviews. And the early infancy of WWE, some of those guys were, were part of it. So it was neat to see them on that on that huge stage when they were here at the Armory on Howard Avenue. Yeah. <laughs> on some Saturday nights, it was, it was pretty – but I can't believe how that sport's grown and, and the entertainment of it. It's, it's pretty awesome. It was literally like a, a folding table that you would see in your, in your, <laughs> your garden variety elementary school cafeteria – that Gordon Soley would be set up on with this stupid, you know, two mic stands, you know, and Dusty the Rhodes would come over and grab the microphone and say, Gordon Soley, let me tell you something about them. Oh, I mean, I that was, it. but that now it got to Hollywood. Now they're flying on private planes. It's all this, that's a lot of talk. There. There's nobody throwing people around. I don't like the new. I'm 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 a get off my lawn guy when it comes to the new wrestling. Sorry, <laughs> you're you're a, you literally are a superfly stuka <laughs> on top of your house, getting ready to jump on one of these poor young. Oh guys. yeah, that, that was the that was the <laughs> best. But now it's all WrestleMania. We're going to to L.A. for you know big freaking stadium. <laughs> uh, you can have it. You can have it. Uh, well, speaking of uh, you know people not comporting themselves well. I just dropped, dropped on Twitter during the break, and, and there are people really going ballistic about what Espo said last night about the fat lady yelling and screaming, or it might be a man with long hair. This is well, this first, is. First of all, in the, when I'm in the car on my dinner breaks and that, oh. and, and I always have the games on, and this is basically once a game. So yeah. if you put together the best of Phil Esposito, and, and if this offended you, you don't listen. Right, no, <laughs> but I mean, I'm pretty sure he's hearing about it, but I just think dude, I'm taking it at the value of uh, this is Espo in his element, and uh, so many times you just go, huh? Well, eh, let him go. I, I'm let just, go. you know, I, I, I get the political correctness and all this, but we, I mean, in the world we live in right now, is the fat, obnoxious lady or man? Is there are they now a protected class as well? I mean, that's a choice to wear your hair that way and 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 eat right. that way. You so clearly you're fab. You feel, you think yourself fabulous in the way you look, and so now we can't. I mean, come on, what are we doing well, my, here? My question is, <clears throat> was this uh, Jewel, 
who went to the game, was this individual doing something to draw attention to him or most, herself? Most definitely. But let's not talk about that. Let's not talk about the ridiculously <laughs> rude behavior that, that you're, you're, you're throwing stuff over the pop, top of the penalty box and pouring it on the other player. That's okay. But if you point out the fact that they're, you know, going to Burger King 17 times a day and or, or ordering 12 pizzas, and if you point that part out, that's the bad part. But, you know, throwing the stuff, you know, whatever you want to, you want to urinate over the top of the penalty box, that's fine. But don't call him fat. Don't call him fat. Less WrestleMania bars. Yes. For that person. Yes, yes. All right, so uh, we've given our take on last night's game and the series as it is right now. What's the the Luke take on this? Uh, Well, my take on this is, first of all, I love playoff hockey for this reason, because you can, the wave of emotions, and when and by the time you get to closure on a series, for a little bit, well, if you're especially the team that moves on, you can reflect, especially as a fan, reflect on what happened in the series. These two games are going to be forgotten a week from now because I think I think things are going to start to tighten up a little bit and and uh, hockey takes over and I, I think there's two tremendous teams involved and so I, I think this is going to turn into a not only a super tight series but super tight games and uh, that's what we're what we really want to see. And for, for me in the game last night, it was said in the morning skate, you know, obviously Toronto's going to push. Uh, they're going to push early. We cannot let them on the power play. Yeah. <laughs> so you make the first mistake of the game and your first time trying to get out of your zone and you take a penalty in the process. And it just, it's, it, it just felt like you got everything you deserved on the opening shift. Yeah. One nothing. And oh, by the way, now this building is going absolutely berserk. Jesus. And that's and that's when the hockey gods uh, start to uh, get involved. You get Anthony Sorelli kicked out of a faceoff, and and Tavares has an easy win, and he's just standing there for a for a goal for, to make it two. And you think, oh my god, this is what happened the other night. Uh, it happens in hockey. Yep. As good as the Lightning are, and as good as the Maple Leafs are, they both teams have now been whooped. Uh, in this series, it's it's pretty incredible. I think, indeed, and uh, I, I think moving forward, Chernak's availability and uh, obviously Hedman's availability really the series depends on that. I don't think the Lightning can beat Toronto without those two guys. That said, Hedy was obviously close to being in last mm-hmm. night's game. Probably the fact that it was the Lightning had already won a game. Um, you knew that the emotion was going to be high for Toronto. Also having Chernak out. I mean, Cooper, there could have been an educated decision like, okay, let's give it our best tonight, but we're going to need Hedman for the rest of the series. It's a long series. Let's not take the chances. Give him a couple more days off, whatever the injury is, and come back in game three. I I don't know that for a fact, but that seems like some pretty you know uh, sober thinking. And if that was the case, fine. But I don't think the Lightning can win this series without those two guys. Your thoughts? Victor Hedman, especially uh, just because of how involved he is. And as you heard Steven Stamkos say, we didn't follow the game plan. Uh, right. This just the structure itself uh, before you talk about how talented he is and, and his value uh, to the team defensively and offensively. But my, I guess my thoughts on Hedman uh, – it's undisclosed. It's something that he. It's one of those things where it's. How do you feel? How do you feel? Uh, is he on the tail end of something, or is he dealing with something that's nagging 
that's going to turn into to long term and get worse. I know you can't look ahead because there is no tomorrow if you don't win this series. Right. But uh, is this something that rest uh, gets him back to seventy five percent or eighty percent, whatever these guys are this time of year, or uh, is this something that has come up recently that is borderline uh, in in the regular season? We'd shut you down for two weeks. Uh, that that's my biggest question. But from for your point on winning this series, I absolutely think they need Victor Hedman, especially on uh, the special teams. Um, on the five on fives last night, uh, after game one, uh, everybody said, "You know what? The forwards came back and were helping. They were they were they were skating fast and helping." That wasn't happening last night. I'm not saying they were being lazy. I'm saying the Maple Leafs exploited the fact picking up the fact that if we push this up the ice faster, uh, these guys are kind of sitting ducks and we can at least get set up in their zone and, and run what yeah. we want to do. So philosophically, tactically, um, Hedman's absolutely necessary. I just hope uh, he's going to play at some point. I just hope that his, whatever's bothering him is not something that's potentially, you know, playoff ending for him if, if something even worse happens. Yeah, I, my sense is, and I know nothing, I, I know nothing, but I know that, that there was a little bit of murmur uh, around that there was something with a hand injury or a wrist injury or something to that degree that has kind of nagged him all year long. We haven't seen a, a, a ton of those big-time big slap shots that, that he normally yeah. blasts from the, post, from the point on the power play. Um, so I, I don't know if, if, if that's something that's just lingering. He was skating yesterday. He skated the two days, so I, I think I don't. I don't know if it's lower body. I don't know, but that's just my sense. So it's just probably going to be more of a pain tolerance. And yeah. I think it's you know I think last night was a good decision to keep him out, and and um, we'll see where it goes from here. You, you have any concerns about Vasilevsky? Um, a couple of those goals last night I thought were were not uh, a little soft. They were a little soft on him, and we've seen that it has not been his best year. Uh, I thought he looked great in game one, but what are your thoughts on Bassett? Uh I think some of the – yeah, there were a couple of goals where he did have a view of the puck. Uh, I believe that Tavares, the 2 nothing goal, yeah. he was able to see that shot. And then later in the game, uh, there was another goal. It wasn't, it wasn't the hat trick goal. The Nylander um, one. Uh, yeah, the yeah, yeah. That okay. kind of got thrown too. Of. Yeah. Um, this is it, – it's been kind of a – not a pattern, but it's been a, a symptom, I guess you could say – all year, and I remember last year during the postseason, the networks were talking about, you know, everybody wants to go uh, over his right shoulder, over his right shoulder. It's, if there's a weakness to him, well, it's, you know, anything. So now teams are all shooting high on him, and, and uh, he's so such a great wingspan and gets his, his pads out so fast on the posts. No one's better on the post than Bazzi. Uh Maybe that's something that teams are trying to go after this time of year. I said before that. Teams and this has gone through through all the time, really my lifetime. You team like the Penguins, uh, the Red Wings before them, the Blackhawks, um, and going to the great Oilers teams. When you get to this many Stanley Cup Finals in a row after year after year, you're, at some point you've played one and a half to two seasons more uh, than than your uh, competitors. Yeah. And I do think there is a fatigue factor that would impact anyone. Uh, not that any he would use it as an excuse. He didn't last night. He told Cooper he's going back out for the third period. But uh, if I you know. can't, if you cannot move, we know Andre Vasilevsky moves. If you can't, if he's two percent off on lifting his 
his arm or getting that blocker up. That's a goal. Yeah. So when we say he didn't see the puck, he pro- you know, is he not moving fast enough? That's a, it's a fair question in my opinion. Agreed. Uh, Dan Lucas joining us here. All right, so uh, I got to ask you some uh, some Buck stuff as well. Um, yesterday, Tom Brady. Do you have the quote there, Nick, from Tom Brady uh, yesterday addressing <laughs> a Miami audience at the Miami Convention Center? The uh, conference circuit. Doing the, <laughs> he's, the dude. The dude is putting out cat videos at a nauseous rate. Uh, he's you know playing Lord, shirtless shirtless football on the beach with all my ripped friends. Oh, that was a, that was I really enjoyed that, and now he's doing the rubber chicken convention center circuit. Man, I hope he does come back to play because this is embarrassing for him. This is embarrassing. And it's, this is uh, first of all, Nick, do you have the quote? Yeah, I'll I'll read the full quote here. He said, "Here's the full quote." He said, "I'll say I'm, now that I'm not affiliated with any team anymore, and even though I have strong ties with a couple teams, I do have some friends on the Dolphins that I really like. So I wouldn't say I necessarily root for them all the time." But I root for my friends to do well, and several of them play for Miami. So that was a a non-committal. He did not say, "I'm not coming back." And this is on the heels of, and this, and this is and this is on the heels of, of Tua saying he contemplated retirement in the off season. So, I mean, is this not like waving a huge Brady to Miami flag? I mean, and this is why people are like, "Well, was it?" Wasn't Brady supposed to count 10 mil against our cap this year? Yeah, he was until he decided to fully retire and make sure that the Bucs had no rights to him whatsoever. So if he did want to play, he could go back. And now the Bucs had told him, look, if you want to play, we're not going to hold you. We're not going to ask for any compensation. You're good to go. We would just like you to give us a little cap relief here. He decided not to do that. So now it's 35 mil. They get a write-off, whatever. But it also leaves him free and unaffiliated with any team so he can come back and play. I, you know, if he comes back and plays for the Dolphins, it's going to be a disaster. I'm just here to tell you. Because last year, I, I he, he sucked. Would I, you agree? I just, well, I just, what, what I'm seeing is, you know, the, the inevitable uh, decline, I guess you could use. And, yeah. and still, his, his decline level is above many current, yeah. of course. But uh, unless things are perfect, I don't. I don't think you're going to see the magic. And the last thing I want to see is, is the guy to go out there and just right with his lack of mobility and just have it end in a bad way. I, I, but well, we saw that last year. Yeah, yeah. I just, well, I mean, in a bad way, meaning uh, you're done, as in you just uh, you're, you're officially hurt. done after that hit. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I, that's what I don't want to see, and that's where this is headed. Unfortunately, that's what I think. I, I, I still, I don't think he comes back. I just think the guy's bored to tears. Yeah, I, I would have so. gotten I would have gotten into the Fox gig immediately instead of the year off. And the one thing he didn't do this this goes back to our old Ronde uh, days of when Ronde knew that TV was on the horizon. Uh, he would take the bye week. He would do things when he had a chance after a Thursday night game or whatever. He would right. go to a booth and he, he wouldn't work. He would just sit there. <laughs> Yeah. And, uh, you know, yeah, we had Tom Brady has friends in the business. He can go sit in any booth he wants on a Sunday and watch a one o'clock. He can just drive to Jacksonville or Miami and watch these guys work. Um, right. He needs those. He needs those reps before the Fox gig. I would have been working on that myself and jumped right in because, you know, this is this is the money for him. is so hard to pass up. No one's going to hit him in that booth. I, I, I mean, he, 
I have he serious. Prepare like, Go ahead. Prepare like he does for games, even harder when you when you're in the broadcast booth. I have serious doubts he's ever going to make it to a broadcast booth. I I just do. I think he yeah, he's got too much money, too. too much opportunity to do other things, and I don't. I just don't feel that he's comfortable criticizing other players. Uh, he's too vanilla. He's going to have to have a rapid personality transformation in order to be a good analyst. And I don't, I don't think the work bothers him at all, but I do think he would be uncomfortable uh, sitting in that chair and being as, as critical as some of the great broadcasters need to be and have been. I just, I don't know. It just, it doesn't seem like it really fits his personality, but Tampa Tom, you never know. What, what <laughs> well, I also, it doesn't help matters that I think Greg Olson has done a terrific job. Yes, he's fantastic. The number one Fox team. So yeah. you're just demoting him down the bench and bringing in a guy that that's, is everything you just said, uh, on the fence about everything, yeah. uh, has knowledge out the wazoo that we would love to tap into. Yeah. But if a guy makes a bonehead play, you need to be able to say it's a bonehead play. Yeah, I'm not yeah. sure I'm not sure he can do that. All right, uh, give me your take on the Rays. Uh, what is it, 16-3 now? As they, <laughs> 16-3. They... Tonight is, uh, if they hit a home run, it's the 20th, uh, 20th game to start the season, which would tie the uh, Mariners' record from 2019. Um, the record is 27. I think it's a, I think it's a worthy endeavor with this lineup yeah. to uh, kind of pursue as a sidebar. But uh, now we're in the mode of, as Joe Madden used to say, uh, meatloafing these teams. Two out of three ain't bad, and if you two out of three of this, sixteen oh. and three quickly becomes you know twenty and five, twenty. That's where you uh, start to stand out as we get ready to enter May, and, and the games you know start to matter even more. I think they need a cushion uh, in the AL East. There's as great as this start has been. There's not much of a cushion. They still don't have Blue, one. Yeah. Yeah. Blue Jays and the Yankees are are nipping on their heels. As they've only played so many games, but. But uh, the Rays need a cushion. Then they also need to be able to sustain uh, the inevitable down period that's going to come that hits every team. So if they lose three, four, or five in a row, it doesn't destroy them. Um, but the pitching has got to come around. The health, it's, it's a concern to me. Uh, these arms going down, it seems yeah, year in and year out now. And, uh, but it's like when you get around to McClanahan and Rasmussen and it feels great when you get out of bed, but when they're not on the mound that night, you're like, oh, my God, what are we going to do? Well, so, Taj Bradley little... doesn't look too sh- – too, uh... I like it. I love yeah. it. I love I love when the young guys come up and do that. Now, you know what? The young pitchers, though, now you got to get a – now everyone's getting a book on them a little bit. Right. So it's like four or five starts in. That's when you really start to see um, how he handles adversity because guys are going to start to figure him out. Uh, but he's awesome. I love Great it. I hope, he sta- I hope he stays up, to be honest. Well, he has to. I, I, I yeah. mean, he has to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they, don't, right. they, don't have any, they don't have any choice. Um, even as, as cheap as the, the Rays continue to be with their payroll, they, um, they have to have him up. I mean, the, he clearly – he's not going to learn anything at AAA. His stuff is so good. Um, it's He just needs to fine-tune it at the major league level. And he hasn't even – you know, he started throwing that, that split-fingered the other day, and I'm like, look at that thing. I mean, and plus the tight curveball and the 97 and the late the late pop on that fastball, and he's such a, you know, I call him the baby-faced assassin. He looks like a 12-year-old, and he's just, just he's, dominant. He's throwing against Jonathan India 
Yeah. Uh, you yeah. know, and it's guys in the Red Sox lineup. I mean, he's not going to see that in AAA. No. No. It, see it, that. No, I, I think that's – and just for a, from a Rays standpoint looking forward, I mean, no, you can't continue this pace. But it, I've said this many times. I'd like to get your thought on it. It's not like these guys are doing stuff individually – that they can't do collectively, they're all hot at the right at the same time, which is what's got this streak going. But you know, Josh Lowe has what three home runs, three four home runs. That's not like he's hit ten. You know, everybody's chipping in. It's it's consistently throughout the lineup. They've got all this power, or guys are you know hitting home runs. Yandy's hitting. Yandy's got six home runs. But you see it within these players. I don't think it's anything that they're doing that is superhuman. Off. It's not like. You know, uh, somebody has 15 home runs already. It's everybody can contribute throughout this lineup. So I do think, in some degree, this is sustainable offensively. What do you think? Yeah, one through nine. Uh, even if one aspect is not hitting that night, somebody else picks up the slack. And there are people. I'll single out Brandon Lau, uh, who's already near his numbers from last year, just in uh, three weeks. Yeah. So obviously he's healthy and back. <clears throat> Taylor Walls coming back and, and showing power. Um, uh, Josh Lowe, as you mentioned, and then you throw in the the Francos and the Rosarenas and, and that group. Uh, somebody they're getting guys on base, but the the power has just blown me away. The amount of home runs. <clears throat> That's not a gimmick. You, you can hit. You can get hot for a couple of games or a week, but this team has just put together at bat after at bat and that's sustainable but in the past it's always been oh we're going to pitching and defense and you know we were just we got it if we can get these bats going this is going to be something then they start hitting and all of a sudden they're in a bunch of games that are eight to six yeah pitching staff is is uh you know having some trouble the bullpen's been taxed uh i just feel like it's all clicking right now as long as you can get through these early innings in games get through the lineup half times uh, without damage. <laughs> I think I think the games are, are all winnable uh, for the Rays moving forward, and, and especially when you get to the backside of that bullpen. Yeah. All right, what's coming up on News Channel 8 this weekend? Uh, what do you, got, you got any big stuff coming up on Sunday Sports Extra? Oh, man, we're going to be uh, – Sunday we're going to be really uh, talking about Game 3, which is uh, really the, the turning point of a series. Game 3 and a Game 5 for me are always the two. Uh, huge ones because three sets the stage, five sets up elimination. Yep. Um, so we're going to have a lot of uh, review from that um, in the Rays, hoping to have another big weekend. Also had a, a nice conversation with Kyle Trask. Oh, yes. It was, you know, he's he's a real, it's kind of a laid back guy, very humble. Uh, so, but the one thing I was, I was talking to him and I'm looking at him, I'm like, dude, you're the first quarterback I've interviewed in three years. This is awesome. I'm talking to a Bucks quarterback. This is amazing. I couldn't believe it. It's, we're back. We're talking to quarterbacks again. One on one, you get a quarter. You get a quarterback. What? That Brady wasn't interested in doing a Dan Lucas exclusive. What the yeah, hell? I don't know why he didn't. I don't know. I said, Tom, watch the show, man. See, we'll put you on. We'll get you at the top. Put you. What they call it, the A block. Put you top the A block. He's like, yeah, you're gonna give me three hundred fifty million. Uh, exactly. No. Exactly. No. Exactly. no. There'll be no money, but on your deathbed, you'll receive total consciousness. Total so, consciousness. You got that going for you, Tommy. Uh, all right, Luke. Uh, good to see you, my man. We'll we'll catch up with you later. Thanks, buddy. Thank you, boys.
the great Dan Lucas. You can follow him on Twitter at, at WFLA Dan. Um, all right, we'll take another quick break. When we come back, we'll get into a little bit more Bucks. Eric Erlinson's going to join us at 1130, so we'll get back into the bolts at that time. Uh, we are brought to you by the great folks at the Jeeves Law Group, Bay Area Modern Medical Center, Italiano Insurance. Great time to do that insurance checkup, folks. You could save thousands of dollars. Had a friend just the other day that did a business insurance checkup and saved $6,000 on his annual business insurance. And if you don't have business insurance, even if you have a small company, you need it because you could be personally liable if you get sued. So give him a call over there at 813-877-7799. Back in three. Stay with us. to shop for jewelry than the gold and diamond source they are the family jewelers and they will treat you like family they'll make it a fun experience people come from all over to shop at the gold and diamond source because of their great customer service and incredible impeccable reputation no sales pressure no intimidation and they have the largest selection of hand-picked diamonds and by the way diamonds are the april birthstone so this month only they are offering 15 percent off their diamond birthstone collection available on to select products and you probably heard a lot about lab created diamonds folks they hold no real value you will have no resale value whatsoever with a lab created diamond and of course it's fake it doesn't mean as much the golden diamond source has plenty of options to accommodate any budget folks interest-free financing up to five years a layaway program 20 percent down and only six monthly payments and of course the diamond savings account where you get full value of your diamond when you look to upgrade it's all there for you at the golden diamond source 3800 homerton road always online at the golden diamond source.com all right this is for all you guys who don't want to go to the gym and do 5,000 crunches at bay area modern medical center you can get on the new true body machine where you can reduce fat and tone up your muscle it's like doing 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes define your body as you see fit true body offers personalized muscle stimulation that delivers the equivalent of those 54,000 crunches in just 15 minutes just get in touch with them at bay area modern medical center bamc.com chris lugo and the team over there will set you up on true body and get amazing results non-invasive with comfortable and little to no pain and zero downtime you can isolate and target those areas that you want to improve and treat multiple areas simultaneously. It's an amazing machine, so check it out at Bay Area Modern Medical Center, BAMMC.com. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank, but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa, and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up, they're going down, they're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. Lots of stuff going on right now and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? 
Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big-time money. Don't hop on the internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. Let's go. Right now. Back to the show with JP on FanStream Sports. All right. Welcome back to the JP Peterson Show here on this uh, Friday as we are uh, coming to you live from our Orlando office. And uh, Nick Geddes is back there in our Red House streaming. By the way, if you, uh, if you have your smart TV, download the Red House streaming app. And you can get this show any day, or uh, if you you want to watch some of the archive episodes, you can do that as well. So RHS TV, just download the app. You can do it on your phone as well. You can download the RHS TV and watch it on your phone like you would YouTube as well. So you can always get the show anytime, anywhere. We're here five days a week, uh, two hours of Tampa Bay sports-centric sports radio. So we're coming to you each and every day uh, during the week. And we love doing it. Uh, Nick? Shall we get into um, a little bit of the uh, NBA stuff last night? I guess it's uh, crotch kicking uh, series this year in the NBA. I don't know if you saw last night where uh, Joel Joel Embiid uh, <laughs> did his best uh, uh, impression of of uh, Draymond Green stomping or, or kicking somebody. What was the guy that uh, was it Claxton that he went after last night? Yeah, and did not get kicked out of the game, but later on in the game. James Harden, uh, who's ducks his shoulder and his elbow who's on somebody who's up in his grill, inadvertently gets him in the nads, and he gets ejected from the game. Worst ejection I've ever seen in a game. I mean, the series is not in doubt with the Sixers in, in Brooklyn, but I, I don't understand what, what's happening. I thought Draymond Green's suspension was stupid as well, but, you know, the Dubs come back and got the win last night anyway without him, so – What's going on in the NBA playoffs? This is bizarre. Uh, the Zebras just love to get their way into this game somehow. They have to get involved. Get it. They have to just let the teams play. This is this is the postseason, and I find it so funny that I believe who's in charge of like these type of suspensions and deals for the NBA is Joe Dumars, and yeah. <laughs> I just find that funny considering that Joe Dumars played with uh, Bill Lambeer and John Sally. And Dennis the bad Rodman, boys. the bad boys. I find yeah. that, I mean, so I understand things have changed. This, that was 30, 30, 35 years ago. I get that. But I just feel like everything is so light now. Like the bar is so low, I feel like, for you to get ejected from a game or suspended. And in the playoffs, I don't like that one bit. Like, no, I mean, it, it could change the whole I mean, season. You, it can change everything. You, you contrast that to the NHL. Like to me, it's like very obvious when a suspension is warranted, and that would be Michael Bunting, a headshot, very dangerous. Chernak falling back on his head on the ice. I think that's a little bit different than a stomp or whatever to someone's back or their chest or a, a little leg kick here and there. Like I just give them, just give them the flagrant one or the flag, whatever the 
the flagrant that doesn't get him thrown out of the game. I can't remember if that's one or two. Uh, let flagrant them, one. Yeah, the flagrant, flagrant one. Ten. Just give him the flagrant one and move on about your business. I don't. To me, it's not in good interest in the playoffs for these stars, which is all about the NBA. Like we're tuning in to see these great players play, and now I, I guess Joel Embiid is under investigation of the NBA, this kick or whatever. And it'd yeah. be a, and they've already set the president with Draymond Green, so now the NBA right. looks a little weak if they don't do the same thing to Joel Embiid. But who wants to not? Who wants to watch a game and not see Joel Embiid play? I mean, like you yeah. said, that and series that, is not in doubt. But still, I just I don't like the pr- the premise of it. And the other part about it is, you know, it's become commonplace now when you knock a guy down or, or block his shot to basically teabag him. Right? You want to get you know you stomp over him. Um, and, he, and that's what Joel Embiid was reacting to. I mean, there's got to be some culpability for that part as well. I mean, if some guy's going to stand over me like that and put his crotch in my face, well, guess what? There's going to be a retaliation. He doesn't have to do that, and uh, he won't do it again. I can tell you that. <laughs> I can tell you that. So, I, I yeah, the, the, the NBA playoffs, they, they're going to have an issue if, if, they're, if they're suspending guys like this. And l- luckily – you know, it didn't have an impact on the Warriors' se- uh, season because they got the big win last night without Draymond playing. Actually, played pretty well without him. Yeah, uh, Kevon Looney had about twenty-one rebounds. Twenty rebounds and nine assists. Yeah, mm. you know, I, I saw a stat yesterday. I think I actually heard it on Colin's show where you know he was talking about the Grizz without Ja Morant. They're actually statistically a better team without him um, because they play better defense. They share the ball more. Um, they're just a better team without it. And it sounds silly to say it, but sometimes that's the way it is. I, I wonder if the dubs are better without Draymond Green now. I, I mean, Steve Kerr would, would take umbrage with that, and Steph Curry would take umbrage well, with what's, that. But... What's Draymond Green's – honestly, what's his role? He's the emotional leader of the Golden State Warriors. That and is he's a hell role. of a defender. And he's a hell of a defender. Maybe not what he used to be because of age, but still. And I, But I think Looney is definitely capable – and that team goes as Steph Curry goes. And when Steph Curry is firing like he did yesterday, 6-12 from 3, 36 points, it's pretty hard to beat that team. So even though I think the Kings ultimately win this series still, it's hard to just completely just put Golden State to bed because you could have a Steph Curry like the game like this at any given night. Yeah, and yeah, exactly. And when Steph is hot, they're they're going to be tough to beat. Sacramento doesn't have really have I think have the firepower when the Dubs are are hitting on all cylinders and Wiggins. Um, you know, they're 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 definitely getting better as this series goes on. So we'll see what happens with that one. Um, and the Sixers, they're they're dominating that. They're up three zero. I have no no worries about that. I think the Lakers um, may be in some trouble. And last night, what's really bizarre. Kawhi Leonard didn't play last night. Did you did you know that this was there was any thought that he hurt his injury in the game before? Uh, I did not know it until it came out like yesterday that he had a sprained knee. When they said that yeah. he was like going to be a game time decision or whatever, uh, it's par on the course for Kawhi Leonard and the Clippers as a whole. And this is the thing that's if you're the Clippers, this is the hard part about employing Kawhi Leonard. And I, I think the world of Kawhi Leonard as a player, I think he's one of the greatest postseason performers of all time, and we don't talk about it nearly enough. But, I mean, he, this guy's playing like 25, 30 games a season in the name of load management. Ty Lue is, not, is just letting the whole, he's saying the loud part, you know, the, the quiet part out loud, rather, about, you know, all the minutes we didn't give him in the regular season. That's why he's playing 40 minutes, 40, 45 minutes now. This is what it was for. Right. But... If you're not playing, 
it's almost like counterintuitive a little bit because your muscles are not getting worked up a little bit to play 40 to 45 minutes. So now Kawhi Leonard, who's, what, 31 years old, 32 years old already? He's no spring chicken and has had a lot of injuries. Now he plays one game 45 minutes, and now he's got a sprained right knee. And it's the same injury that Paul George has, so who's already out for the series. So is Kawhi Leonard going to play in the series now? I don't know. And, that's, and again, if you're the Clippers, you can't beat this team without Kawhi Leonard. I thought they could get by without Paul George in this series, but without Kawhi Leonard, and even though I thought, no way. I thought no way. Russ played his best game of the season, probably offensively last night. He did. Norman Powell puts up 42. Who saw that coming? Mm-hmm. And they only lost by five. They were in that game the entire time. It just makes me, if you're a Clipper fan, it's like if you had Paul George and Kawhi Leonard in this series, I think, again, I said this a month ago, I thought the Clippers were the deepest team in the West. And they're kind of showing it here by the fact that they have two guys who can go put out 30 and 42, not named Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. But if they had those two guys, I think they would be, they'd win this series. But it's not going to happen that way. Isn't it crazy in this league right now is guys are coming out of nowhere. I mean, this Austin Reeves cat for the, for the Lakers, he's like the best scorer on the floor for them at times. I'm like, where, did, where the hell did he come from? Uh, uh, Rui Hachimori. What, you know, you, these guys get these opportunities, and they step up and score 40, score 30, score 25. And I love it because you're te- seeing teams like Sacramento, who everybody counted out, you know, oh, they can't hang with AD and, and LeBron. Well, yeah, you got five guys that are playing with the energy that they're playing with against, you know, two in a supporting cast. Yeah, you got a shot. You got a shot. You, and we're seeing these homegrown teams um, in more the wave of the future than the superstars. I mean, the Brooklyn thing didn't work. The Sixers thing didn't work. Um, you know, the, these other teams are working. And I no, you could kind of look at Durant with the Suns and say, okay, that was, you know, here's – Here's Kevin Durant ring chasing again, uh, getting getting with a team that's already loaded and ready to win. But let's just be honest, he puts him over the top. And if he if if Booker plays the way he did last night, they ain't losing. They ain't losing. Uh, that is that, I think that is that is a team that has more firepower. But, they're deep. But that's why I um, think their margin of error is so small. They need they need Devin Booker and or Kevin Durant to play out of their mind. To get no, Aiden, Aiden can score. He didn't have to last uh, night, but he can score. <laughs> he ain't caring I, anymore. I, I, and CP3 at this stage in his career, I think it's more about well, the leadership and what he facilitates. He's not going to put. He's not putting up twenty or anything like that anymore. He was five for eighteen last night. What the hell is he doing taking eighteen shots when Booker and Durant are shooting like that? Yeah, and they still have. That's very, that's very Westbrook of him. And I, I just, I'm not sold on their bench. See, that's the thing about when you trade for Kevin Durant, you have to give up a considerable amount of guys. And Michael, yeah. Michael Bridges is one of those who has just flourished with Brooklyn and Cam Johnson as well. And that's the trade-off when you, when you get a Kevin Durant. You're a lot less balanced, and I think your margin of error is a lot smaller now. No, I would agree. Um, all right, there's our NBA update. Um, I want to get to a couple other MLB stories. Did you see Max Scherzer got suspended for 10 games uh, yesterday for sticky stuff in his glove, lost his mind, got ejected? Um this is, I think this is an interesting story here. Um, what the hell's going on with Scherzer? I mean, he said it was sweat and rosin, right? Now, nah. they're saying that he went to go wash his hands or whatever they or whatever he did, and he came back out and his hands were even stickier, right? And I was listening to Eduardo Perez talk about this, and he was wondering, okay, how did he wash his hands? 
Because mm-hmm. what if he just went to go use something like hand sanitizer? And now that's basically made the sweat and the rosin even more stickier right there. And that could be a case of that right there. And that could be a smarter, that was probably a smarter move by Max Scherzer not to totally get it off his hands if you kind of follow me there, right? But for him to like, yeah. him to get in the argument with the ump and say, like, I swear on my kids, it's sweat and rosin and all that kind of stuff. Like, and the fact that he was so adamant, I kind of believe Max Scherzer on that. I hate this, like, overanalyzing the sticky stuff rule, like, to high heaven. And, of course, the, the pitch clock, too, they said that this is affecting this because a lot of these guys don't feel like they have the adequate time when they get out there to use the rosin bag on the mound. So they're using it in between innings in the dugout, and maybe they're putting a little bit more on than they probably should and, and things like that. And then you get out that's there. That's interesting. And, so I think that's playing a part in this as well. But the fact that he has to get a 10-game suspension for this, I think it's lunacy. I think it's absolutely lunacy. Well, it's really a two-game suspension for a starting pitcher. So yeah. don't forget that. Don't forget that. But I think I think they do get paid by the by the game that way. And, and maybe more of a financial. But I think he'll be all right financially. Um, this is interesting. All three inspections that led to suspensions of pitchers involve umpire Phil Cuzzy. What does that tell you? That's that's that that rings a bell. That rings and a bell what, to me. What what big time? What again? This is what get what's so hypocritical from the MLB is you know two or three days earlier, the whole thing with Domingo Herman, with the Yankees, where they tell him to go wash his hands. Yeah, he comes back out. It didn't look like he washed anything off, and then they just decide, oh, there's nothing there. You can go back in the game, and it's like, no, no, no. Enforce the rules. Right. He's supposed to be ejected from the game and get his ten and get his two start suspension, and then it forces Rocco to right. go absolutely insane, and he's the one that gets ejected from it. So that's the inconsistency with it. Is mm-hmm. you gave this guy multiple warnings right. and nothing changed, but he's allowed to stay in the game. But Max Scherzer is just told immediately you're out. I can't make it make sense. It just seems to me like it's on an umpire by umpire basis here. Yeah, it, it, I'm reading this story. It says, um, after the third inning, Cuzzy then determined the pocket of Scherzer's... All right, for, let's start with this. Because uh, he determined after the second inning that Scherzer's hand was stickier and darker than normal and ordered Scherzer to wash his hand, which Scherzer said he did with alcohol while an MLB official watched. After the third inning, Cuzzy then re- determined the pocket of Scherzer's glove was sticky, likely with too much rosin, and he ordered Scherzer to change gloves. The umpire then checked the 38-year-old right-hander again before the fourth, and his hands were even worse than before. Mets manager Buck Showalter described Scherzer's state of mind as good on Thursday and pointed out that the pitcher was at the front of the line when the team came off the field after Wednesday's game. So I guess he's not too too bent over it. But, um, but And here's the thing, though. This is MLB's fault, though. This is MLB's fault because they have baseballs that all these pitchers will go on record and tell you have no grip. And these and these pitchers in these uh, or the league rather just wants these pitchers to go out there and have nothing on their hands and just throw it straight. But they don't have grip. And guess what happens? And they're more wild. You probably yeah. you might hit, you might hit more batters and you might have more injuries. And the MLB to me is just so quiet on that fact. Like to me, this whole thing is started by them. And Glasnow, remember when he had to have Tommy John? What did he, first thing he said? He credited it to the fact that the balls have no grip. They employed yeah. the new thing where you couldn't he couldn't use the substance that he was using on the ball anymore. And he, and he started yep. and he started overthrowing, and then he had to have Tommy John. So I think MLB is doing wrong by their pitchers here. I, and again, it's a bunch of guys who have never played the game that, in my opinion, are making these rules, and they just make no sense. 
Well, yeah, they don't. They don't make any sense. And, and when one umpire is the one that's throwing everybody out, it, it, it definitely rings alarm bells, no question about it. All right, let's take a quick break. When we come back, I want to get into the Bucs. There's some news with Tristan Wirfs, maybe the most obvious thing ever that the Bucs have done. Um, and we're still still wondering what's going to happen in that with that 19th pick. So we'll talk a little Buccaneers when we come back. And Eric Erlinson is going to join us at 1130 to talk some more bolts after last night's disappointing game, too. For the Lightning, stay with us. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big-time money. Don't hop on the internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. Well, Fitz the Mortgage Guy did it again. A listener heard his ad was going to another big bank but called Scott Fitzgerald at American Mortgage Services of Tampa and Fitz saved him $618 on his monthly payment. Are you kidding me? Folks, that's big money. Rates are going up. They're going down. They're going all over the place. Scott will shop your loan and save you lender fees and get the best rates. Email him, scott at amstampa.com or call 813-294-7595. That's Fitz the Mortgage Guy. Lots of stuff going on right now, and these rates are going all over the place. You need somebody knowledgeable in the market that will work hard for you and get you the best deal. That's my man, Scott. He's done three loans for me, done thousands of loans for local folks here, works with a lot of the coaches and players in the area. He's the guy. 813-294-7595 or go to scott at amstampa.com. Ladies and gentlemen, let's rock. This is FanStream Sports with J.P., All right, welcome back to the J.P. Peterson Show as we roll on on this Friday as uh, the Lightning will come home for Game 3 tomorrow night at 7 o'clock at Amelie Arena. Hopefully you've got your tickets already. There'll be a watch party out on the on Thunder Alley if you're interested in that. Eric Erlinson is going to join us at 1130 here to talk more Lightning. I um, want to get into a couple Bucks stories. Tristan Wirfs had his fifth-year option picked up by the Buccaneers, which is obviously the most obvious thing they could possibly do. and They're going to assign him to a long-term contract as well. And probably uh, sooner than later. A year. Um, and it's probably a good business to get that thing going now because as a premier left tackle in the game, if he does move to left or right, doesn't really matter where he stays. Um, he's going to be the highest paid tackle in the game, which is probably more of a reason why you move him to left tackle. And I think that's happening. Worf's mentioned that last week that he's been working at both sides. And I think that's probably because if it's, if a left tackle falls to them in the draft, I think they're going to take one. 
If they one of the good ones fall to them at 19, I think they'll take one. If not, I think you'll see them go edge rusher um, or possibly quarterback. You never know. Well, let me um, let me interject there real quick. I don't know if you saw this, but a certain player named Bajan Robinson, right, said yeah. told Dan Patrick yesterday he's met with two teams in person, just two, the Eagles and your Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And there's a lot of I know f- fans obviously are are like obsessed with this guy. Think he's a can't miss prospect. I mean, every big board you see, Bijan Robinson is either like the third player, or the second player, or in some cases, the number one overall player. Now we know the rule generally about drafting running backs in the first round, but I'll ask you if he's that highly thought of, where he might be the best player on the board, and you get him at 19. Is the value there too much to pass up? Or are you just completely no running back? Don't do it for anybody. He's a special player. Um, you know, I heard somebody say this the other day. I mean, he's as good as Saquon Barkley, and Saquon was special coming out, right? I mean, as good as we've ever seen in college. Is he comparable to Bijan Robinson? I'd say yes. I'd say those two are pretty comparable. Um, what have the Giants won with Saquon Barkley? Squat. Not much. They finally, they finally got into the playoffs this year, um, but you know that it's not like Saquon was driving the bus. I He's mean, had he a lot a of injuries. Part to, of to be fair, right? And guess what? Running backs get injuries, especially big, fast ones. They get they get injuries. Um, it just it's a value thing, and it's a you know there's so many needs on this team, and we've got a really really good running back in Rashad White. I think he's really really good. Um, it, you know, is, is Bijan Robinson at 10 and Rashad white at eight and a half? Maybe, maybe. Um, but it's not the fact that I, if, if they drafted Bijan Robinson, would he be a thousand yard runner for this team? Yeah, I think he would be, you know, who else I think would be a thousand yard rusher Rashad white. I do. Uh, if given the opportunity. So it's, you know, it's, you don't, at this point, you don't have a starting left tackle. Okay. Now, you, you can move worse over there, and I think he'll be fine. I think he'll be really good. I think within a couple of years, the best left tackle in the game. Um, if not, immediately, <laughs> he's that good. Um, but then you don't have a starting right tackle. Okay, you don't have a starting – you need a starting slot uh, nickel guy. You, need, you don't have that. You need an edge rusher. You don't have a long-term edge rusher. It's a huge need. Um, you need a safety you need another safety, another playmaker. You may need an inside linebacker to start for you if this Devin White thing gets any worse. So there are so many real needs on this team. It's not that Bijan Robinson is not a great player. If and I'm saying if we didn't have Rashad White, I would I would seriously consider it. But you you invested what a, a second or third in Rashad White? Um, yeah, third round I believe, pick. Third and round. I, and I, but I wonder how much plays into a part with this is you know six years ago. It felt like the Bucks had the opportunity to get Dalvin Cook at 19, ironically, if they mm-hmm. wanted to. And instead, Which they should have. And instead, it felt like they drafted for, you know, obviously a need with O.J. Howard, but he was also yeah. one of those situations where the value was too good to pass up at 19. At least that was the perception. And we saw how that worked out. We yeah. saw how that worked out. So does Jason like go, I'm not doing that again? I'm not going to miss the can't-miss running back? Uh, we know that this team is going to want to run the ball. 
preferably probably 30 times or more a game, if we're being honest. Do they feel that Rashad White is a true number one, or is he the kind of guy that you have a nice little one-two punch going? You know, look at the Ezekiel Elliott-Tony Pollard connection the last few years. That's worked out wonderfully in Dallas. And I think that's yeah. been the driving force of a team that's been able to win that division multiple times and get to the playoffs almost every year. So it can work. But to your point, there's a lot of needs here. But I, I think sometimes they say all the time in the draft, if you draft for need over value, you get burned a lot. So yeah. it's a lot of, again, but it, that's a risky pick, though, not because of John Robinson's talent. It's just a running back. I feel like we have enough examples of every year you hear about this can't-miss running back prospect. And right. last year it was Brees Hall who went in the first round, and he was great to start. He tore his ACL. Uh, Najee Harris went in the first round. And what happened with him? A huge running back, a lot of carries in college, gets the NFL, and it, he doesn't have the speed to be a starting running back in the league, in my opinion. And Saquon Barkley's been injured a lot. So, And Leonard Fournette, another one who didn't really pan out as a fourth overall pick. So there's a lot of precedent set there already. Yeah, and I'm going back to the uh, what was the the Dalvin Cook year that he was drafted 2017. 2017. Yep. Yeah, uh, the Bucks had Doug Mart a 28 year old Doug Martin at that time uh, as their starter. Yeah, it's a little. They didn't have it. Yeah, well, but Doug wasn't you know, and I think he 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 wasn't all that at that point. No. Um, you know, he'd already had his best years, so it's not like you had you know an up and coming you know what I think is a star running back in this league. I think that much of Rashad White, a lot of a lot of people do. So yeah, that's why we were saying take Dalvin Cook, take Dalvin Cook. What are we doing? You know, don't don't take a tight end, take Dalvin Cook. We all thought OJ Howard was a good pick. I would thought he was a good pick. I didn't think it was a great pick. I was like, that's a good pick. But I think a lot of people um, they, too would have said, you know, at that point you already had Cam Brait, who was still in his best years, and I think had two more of his best to come after that. So yeah. how much of a need really was it? It really wasn't. I, I think it was a reach of a pick. I, you know, I was screaming and, and yelling for Dalvin Cook. I was saying, let's get back into the first round or jump up in the second round to get Dalvin Cook. Uh, you can get both now. Um, but they did not do that. And I think it was a miss. But I think this is a much different situation. I think it's a much different situation. Uh, and, and as much as I, I like Bijan Robinson, I, I just think the Bucks would do better to make another pick there. He, he would have an impact on his team. There's no question about it. But you got to draft for the whole team, so I'd say that's a no. Uh, that's but, a no. For and me. the other thing, I mean, again, I'm just trying to look at it from the point of view. If they got Bajon Robinson, when did Baker Mayfield, if he's the quarterback, if he's the guy, the year that he had his best season, he had a two running back tandem, Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, right? Yeah, that carried that yeah. team. I mean, it's not it's not impossible to do to have no. two backs back there. And the one thing I think they kind of complement each other's strengths a little bit as well. I think Rashad's a better pass catcher than maybe a true runner. I think that's fair. And Bajan Robinson is a guy who's not really going to catch the ball out of the, pass, out of the backfield at all. He's just a true runner. He's a lot bigger than Rashad White. He's physical. So I think if they went that route, they could, they could complement each other pretty well. But, you know, again, it's a huge risk. Yeah, yeah I, I just you have to balance with what's – and this is what we said about this draft. What, the draft will tell you who to draft. The draft will tell you who to draft. That's the way this one's going to work. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we come back, Eric Erlinson will join us. Uh, Lightning Insider will get his take on last night's 7-2 loss to the Toronto Maple Leafs. Is the sky falling? I don't think so. Quick break. Back with Eric Erlinson next. Stay with us.
folks, there is no better place to shop for jewelry than the Gold and Diamond Source. They are the family jewelers, and they will treat you like family. They'll make it a fun experience. People come from all over to shop at the Gold and Diamond Source because of their great customer service and incredible, impeccable reputation. No sales pressure, no intimidation, and they have the largest selection of hand-picked diamonds. And by the way, diamonds are the April birthstone. So this month only, they are offering 15% off their diamond birthstone collection available on to select products. And you've probably heard a lot about lab-created diamonds, folks. They hold no real value. You will have no resale value whatsoever with a lab-created diamond. And of course, it's fake. It doesn't mean as much. The Golden Diamond Source has plenty of options to accommodate any budget, folks. Interest-free financing up to five years, a layaway program, 20% down, and only six monthly payments. And, of course, the Diamond Savings Account, where you get full value of your diamond when you look to upgrade. It's all there for you at the Golden Diamond Source, 3800 Omerton Road, always online at thegoldendiamondsource.com. Ladies and gentlemen, are you looking to lose weight or just lean up for bathing suit season where there are so many diets and chiropractors and weight loss clinics out there? You don't know where to start, right? We'll start at Bay Area Modern Medical Center. Chris Lugo, PA, and his professional staff will devise a personal plan for you that gets results and will help you keep the weight off. Everybody metabolizes food and supplements differently. Many of these other approaches are designed for the masses. So how's that going to work for you specifically? It's not. Chris will spend one-on-one time with you to find out what works best for you so the weight comes off safely without the use of harmful drugs and side effects. Call 844-977-3477 or go to BAMMC.com. Tell them JP sent you for priority scheduling. 844-977-3477 or BAMMC.com. Insurance coverage can be confusing and expensive. I mean, where do you start? Which companies can you count on to pay out fast and fair? Well, call the great folks at Italiano Insurance. It's a family-owned business. Jeff and Nat Italiano are carrying on the 60-year-plus tradition of giving amazing customer service and giving back to the community through their annual backpack drive for needy students and their support of the local pediatric cancer patients. But it's the customer service that sets them apart. They can shop all your insurance needs and save you big-time money. Don't hop on the Internet and waste time looking at some bogus reviews. Talk to knowledgeable agents and not some voice-generated robot. These are confusing times for homeowners, and Italiano's team of experienced professionals can provide the right coverage for every situation, home, auto, business, life. It's Italiano for all the pieces of your life. Call 813-877-7799 or go to italianoinsurance.com. Pure, pure sports. JP is back on. Welcome back. Fanstream Sports. All right, welcome back. Let's talk some hockey with our favorite Lightning Insider, the Lightning Insider. Eric Erlinson joins us now. What's up, Double E's? How are you, partner? Good morning, gentlemen. I'm uh, I'm good. How are you? I'm, we are well. We are well. We're not freaking out over the loss last night like a lot of Lightning fans are. Even had some people, you know, contacting me and saying, well, maybe game one was the aberration. It was uh, the aberration. Toronto's really that much better. I'm like, eh, you lose Hedman and Chernak. Uh, they've got all the, the, you know, 40 seconds in, you draw a penalty, and it's in the back of your net. I mean, a lot of things going against the Lightning last night that kind of snowballed. So I'm kind of like Coop and, and Steven Stamkos. They know what to do. They got they got one of these games. They're in good shape. What are your thoughts? Well, I mean, the the goal is always a split, right? When you start yeah. on the road, and they got yeah. the split, 
you, you want to be greedy. I mean, John Cooper used that phrase going into the game. You want to be greedy and and take both if you can for sure and come back with a 2 nothing lead because, boy, it, you, you saw how the other side of things went uh, with the pressure that's on that Leafs team. If, uh, if they'd have been down 2 nothing, it, it almost would have felt like series over. So, you know, you knew they were going to respond and, uh, and you cannot script a worst possible start to that game than to have a turnover, a penalty, and a goal against 47 seconds in. I, it's just it's just tough. And um, you, you miss Hedman. That's the big guy. Uh, Chernak leads them in PK time in terms of average ice time per game. That's two big holes. It it it's it is it's not an excuse. And they're good for the guys last night because they didn't use it as an excuse. It's like, look, we've won without Victor Hedman. We've won without Braden Point. We won without Nikita Kucherov. You know, they found ways to win. But I, I, I got to tell you, though, if, if Victor Hedman's not going to play in this series, it is going to be tough because he's the one guy outside of Andre Vasilevsky that if you're going to miss for a significant amount of time, he's the one guy that's hard to replace not just the style of play, but the minutes he plays. It's, all of a sudden now you're asking Hayden Flurry to play 15 minutes a game. And, right. you know, and, and even without Chernak, you're asking two rookies in Radish and, and um, uh, Perbix to play – you know, 18, 19 minutes. And there's, you know, Rick Bonus used to always say there's a threshold for defensemen. And once they pass that threshold, their effectiveness goes down. So we'll see. Uh, it's encouraging that he skated yesterday. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised knowing the way that this team kind of thinks and operates, especially under John Cooper, if, if it was a game where they had to have, Victor would have played. I agree. So, We'll see what that looks like tomorrow when they get on the ice, if he's out there and if there's a chance he has to play. So at least there's some encouraging signs that he won't be out for the series. And obviously you mentioned Flurry and, and Bogosian had to draw in there. How do you think those two guys kind of kind of fared there? Because like you mentioned, both playing about 15, 16 minutes, something that both of them usually do not do. Yeah, I mean, look, Bogo struggled down the stretch. There's a reason why Darren Radish passed him on the, the depth chart. Uh, it's a luxury to have him when you have a Chernak out that you can put him in, he, he plays a similar style of game in terms of how he can be physical and the way he plays around the net. He took a lot of those PK minutes, you know, and that, and that's, that's a luxury to have, uh, but he's not Eric Chernak and, and, you know, Chernak is just more physical. He's, he's more of a, of a specimen, you know, around the net and the way he clears it up and he can be an intimidating guy, you know, uh, and, and flurry. Look, I thought flurry handled himself pretty good. You know, he's not his first time. He's got, I think 20 games of playoff experience somewhere around that range under his belt. Uh, he was one of the few guys he finished as a, as an even <laughs> in that game. So yeah. uh, he, he, he handled himself. Okay. Um, you know, we'll, we'll see what that uh, if, if, you know, cause you get that adrenaline of that first game and then mm -hmm. there's could be a drop off and, and that's what you have to kind of make sure it doesn't happen. If you're those guys and you have to play again tomorrow night. What do you think about Chernak? Um, I've, I've been told uh, that he's, feeling okay, but you can never tell with these, with concussion protocol. So um, have you heard anything? No, no. As, as I keep saying, it's uh, sometimes it's easier to get some gold out of Fort Knox than it is right. to get injury information during the playoffs this time of year. I, I mean, there's no way it's not a concussion, right? Just right. the way he right. fell and the way he looked getting up. And if it's, and they won't say it's a concussion, right? They'll just say he's out. Yeah. But if it's a if it's a actual diagnosed concussion, the protocols say you have to miss seven days. 
before you're cleared and you have to go through the progressions and the steps and you know you have to get that heartbeat up every uh little bit in increments as the days go on but it's a minimum seven days and if that's the mm -hmm. case I'm not saying it is but that's probably what it is you know you're he's going to miss games three and four as well and he won't even be eligible to come back until game uh, game five so wow. um you, it, 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 and I'm not, again, that we don't know that for sure. We're kind of speculating uh, based on information that we see. Um, but if, if he's feeling better, that's a, that's a really a, a step in the right direction. And, uh, you know, that's, that's good because that, that was a pretty nasty hit that Michael Bunting put on him to, to knock him out of the series. And, and look, there were two headshots in that game. I know. saw Austin Matthews take a cheap shot at Anthony Sorelli last night in a late in the game, meaningless situation, which should have been a penalty. It should have been interference as well. So, you know, you wonder if, if the Leafs understand that if they're going to get past Tampa Bay, they're going to have to play this type of physical style because it's always what they've been criticized for all of these playoff losses they've had in the past number of years. Yeah, and the positive thing is they did get Tanner Janot back in there yesterday, and obviously you saw the fight. He asserted himself pretty quickly in that one. Uh, maybe it's a little hard to judge in a 7-2 scoreline, but uh, did you notice anything about his game, any sizable impact that you saw from Tanner Janot? Looked a little slow to react, you know, to, to get to the areas he needed to get to, which I guess is understandable considering he's been off for two weeks and whatever the leg injury is, whether it was a high ankle sprain or something else, um, you know, so it, it's it, you can understand that um, you like to see the fight. Yeah. You, you like to see him handle. I mean, Luke Shen is a tough guy. And, you know, the thing about Luke Shen, too, is he's a lefty. <laughs> a lot of guys forget that because he's a right handed shot. Um, you know, a lot of guys forget that he's a lefty. So uh, once he figured that out, you know, and Shen got in that good shot just, uh, you know, right at the beginning of the fight. But once Tanner figured that out, he kind of mm -hmm. had it under control. And, um, you know, he ended up with uh, – so you saw the, the spots on the knuckles as he went into the, <laughs> um, into the penalty box. And, uh, you know, Luke Shen had to have some, some, some repairs go on too. But, I mean, he is a guy that can make a difference from that standpoint because he is intimidating. <laughs> he is intimidating. We've seen that, right, after that fight against Jake McCabe. Mm -hmm. uh, or uh, Riley Stillman, rather, uh, up in Buffalo. Uh, you saw guys, as soon as he starts to go near a scrum, guys skate away. And, yeah. you know, there is a factor there. Do you, do you think the, the Lightning, I mean, you, you mentioned that those uh, multiple headshots that Toronto put on him. How, how do the Lightning respond to that? You don't want to take penalties, obviously not with Toronto's uh, absolutely tremendous power play, and Lightning's not too shabby either. But that you, you got to stay out of the box. So this is this is kind of a little bit of a conundrum. You don't want to, you, you know. Sure, you'd like to retaliate and get get a Mitch Marner or, or Austin Matthews off their game a little bit, but you got to be careful. This this is this is the time of year where retaliations aren't aren't the smartest thing. But you can't get pushed over either. Yeah, it's it's a line. It's a line you definitely have to walk. Uh, you know, and if you've if you've seen what's going on around the league, and we've seen it a couple of times in in this series that. You know, the league is not messing around here. They're yeah. not going to let some of these things even up. They're going to take one guy, and, and you have to be very careful there. And, and I expect, you know, now as you start to get deeper into the series, I think Coop even alluded to this yesterday, you know, once the stakes start to get a little bit higher, guys start to rein themselves in a little bit, right? You yeah. just try and set a tone early in the series. So uh, what you have to do is pick your spots, and you saw late in the game last night, they sent Pat Maroon. They gave him a misconduct because who did he hit in the corner on his, his interference call? It was Willie Nylander. 
And Willie mm-hmm. Nylander has been their most dangerous player. He every right. time he has right. the puck, he's dangerous. So you know he kind of picked his spot. He didn't he didn't run him, but he made sure he knew he was there. Right? right. And and uh and I think that's why the you know the the officials didn't want that game to get out of hand because it can in those situations. Uh so I think that's why Pat Maroon got called for that interference and sent off for the game. But yeah, he just you gotta pick your spots and, and make sure it stays within the boundaries. I uh, don't want any headshots. I mean, that's the one thing you don't want to do. Right. Uh you don't want to put yourself at risk, uh, especially with one guy in the series already suspended for a headshot. Uh, mm-hmm. You definitely don't want to do that, and and I don't want to see that anyway. I, no, I think never. I am a I am a firm believer that the league needs to start looking more like IIHF, the International Ice Hockey Federation, so international hockey. Any contact to the head in international hockey tends to be a penalty and a review potential ejection. I don't know if you need to go that far with it because sometimes in a game so fast, head con- head contact can be unavoidable. Yeah, but I, I really want to see those type of shots out of the game. I mean, look, there was nothing called on Jake McCabe for the hit on Acemont. Yeah, there that's, was a there was even a hit after the, review. Yeah, there was and there was a hit in the Florida Boston game the other night towards the end that uh, one of the Boston players I forget who it was delivered a headshot in the corner and yeah. nothing was nothing was done and and we got to get that stuff out of the game. Totally agree. Totally agree. And that the Acemont thing bothered me. And why was that not a suspendable offense or at least something done? Even after the fact, I understand sometimes you're going to miss it in the flow of the game. It's a fast game. But now, you know, the NHL officials can go back and look at this and there's there's nothing done. That to me was, you know, if you're going to send messages, that's where you have to send it. And I I don't want to see this league become what the NFL has become, where if you brush the quarterback, you know, with your fingernail, oh, he touched his head, automatic penalty. There, to me, there has to be intent. And I know it's sometimes hard to to figure that out. But these, you know, you know it and I know it. Like you talk about Pat Maroon. You know when guys are, are evening scores or they're going after guys. Look who they're going after. Look how they're – the officials are smart enough to know the storylines that are happening here. So – but it, it, it gets dangerous, I know. But but we know. We know. And, and the Acemont hit, that was something there should be – I don't know if it's a suspension, it's a fine, what it is, but there's got to be something. Something. I, I don't disagree. Uh, and, and look at all the debate uh, in the Minnesota-Dallas series, the uh, the hit that Dumba put on Joe Pavelski. Yeah. Yeah. And not Tim. I mean, Pavelski might be out for the series. Yeah. And he's such an important part of that game. And, and I, I'm not saying it, was a, it wasn't necessarily a dirty hit, but it was way unnecessary. Pavelski was already engaged with somebody else. And to me, those are the type of plays that you want to take out of the game because we do need our stars in this game. Yes. Right? We need your star players. The star players drive so much in this game. And, and the playoffs is a time for NHL to shine and put these players on display. I mean, Pavelski is, you know, what is he, 38 years old and, and still as productive as he has been in his career. And his, you know, I don't want to go hyperbole, but his career could be over because right. of that hit. And, you know, not only was, well, they did call a penalty, but it's only because of the result Right. So they called the major, reviewed it and then and then knocked it down. Um, and look, that wasn't a direct shot to the head that Dumbo delivered there. But, uh, you know, the way he hit him, uh, I just I just I didn't like to hit. Yeah, and, and going forward in this series after two blowouts and, and kind of polar opposite games with Lightning getting him in game one, Toronto game two, but especially game one, too, because it was so mucked up with all the penalties all over the place. How do you think your if a team can glean anything from these two games when it's so lopsided in both, and just how John Cooper and the team probably approaches the rest of the series? 
Well, you go back and you look at the tape, and uh, I mean, playoffs are all about adjustments, right? Okay, one team won. What is the other two team going to do to adjust to to you know what they saw and to find them success in the next game? And it's just the nature of playoff hockey. For for the Lightning, you know, last night in particular, it was the faceoff details, you know, those small parts of the game. It was uh, the coverage. You know, it, it's it's those things that shine. So that's where they have to clean up. And, and that's exactly what Steven Stamco said after the game last night. Look, yeah, they miss Hedman, they miss Chernak, but that's not why that game got out of hand last night. That game got out of hand because they didn't convert on their two power play chances after it was one nothing. And then, mm-hmm. you know, the faceoff loss. Now I know Anthony Sorelli got kicked out and Brandon Hagel yeah. had to take it against one of the top faceoff guys in the league and John Tavares, but he lost it clean and then lost coverage. Right. Yeah. Like you can't you can't have those things happen. And those are the small details that sometimes, you know, they're not going to show up on a score sheet, but they're going to show up when you go back and look at a video. And and that's that's to me, that's just what slipped. That was the big difference for Tampa Bay between game one and game two. Uh, and they you know, the puck management, it's always a big thing with this team. But it's yeah. it, it's just the details that that you really have to you know narrow in on at this time of the year that just were not there last night. Eric Erlinson joining us here as the uh, Lightning look to uh, bounce back in Game 3. Uh, what did you think of Vassie's performance last night? I mean, he's, he's obviously – you never want to point the finger at that guy because he's the best in the game. Um, I, I thought a couple of the goals maybe were soft, and his numbers have not been what they've been in the past. That's not all his fault, obviously, with the coverage in front. We, we've detailed that. But y- your thoughts on what you saw from Vassie last night? I thought he was really good in Game 1. You know, yeah. those two goals that beat him – are, are just they're tough shots. I mean, Willie Nylander's got poof, he's got to have one of the best wrist shots in the league. And you know, the Marner goal last night, um, you know, he, he probably wants to make that save, especially at that point in the game early on. You know, you don't want to give Toronto momentum, you wanted to kind of take doubt to, or put doubt into their game. So, I'm not saying that's a bad goal, but that's probably one he, he thinks he should have. Um, and uh, I mean, at the end of the day, he's always going to be the backbone of this team. And the fact that he didn't want to come out of that game, I think, tells you what he thought of his game. Right? Yeah. He wants to, he wanted to stay in that game. They gave him the option. Sometimes you have to take the option away from guys. <laughs> yeah. But they did give him the option whether he wanted to stay in that game last night when it was already 6-1 six, uh, after the second period. Uh, but, you know, he has to – you just want him to come up with the saves when, he need, when you need it, especially against this team. Because if this team starts to feel good about themselves – and look, the Leafs got to him last year, right? They scored three or more goals in the first six yeah. games of that series. So, you know, if if uh, if if that's going to be the case, the Lightning might have some issues in this series. So he's going to have to do what he did more in game one. And if you hold that Leafs team to two or fewer goals, you got a much, much better chance to win. Yeah, and, and also, too, I mean, you probably could say this about almost everyone because of last night being what it was, but... Other than Vasilevsky through two games, is there a certain player on the Lightning you think they need a lot more of going forward in this series? Because we already talked about Toronto needed more from their stars, and I think six of the seven goals the other or yesterday came from their stars. Yeah. Um, it, it, honestly, it's probably Brandon Hagel, right? Like he was such a huge part of this team this year, his first full season with them, and he hasn't really had an impact in two games. And he's, he's playing on a different line. You know, they're, they're trying to put Sorelli, Kalorn, and, and him together uh, as a checking line. 
Um, but, you know, we just mentioned the, the missed assignment off the face-off loss. Look, he's not a center. I'm not blaming him for losing, but you can't lose it clean. <laughs> like, you have to find a way to tie that up and not give them a clean look back to the, to the defense there. Uh, and then he lost his coverage. And, you know, he just was, his forecheck wasn't as uh, tenacious as we're used to seeing from him. Uh, you know, it's, I mean, Kucherov had the three points in game one. Braden Point had the two goals. Uh, I thought Stamkos had a nice assist last night on the Ian Cole goal. You know, to find him there. So I think the Lightning top offensive players, uh, maybe not to the degree that the Leafs top guys did last night, but I think as a whole, they've been pretty good. Brandon Hagel's a guy. He's a playoff guy. He he didn't have a great offensive playoffs last year. He needs to have a good offensive playoff this year to support those guys because you're probably going to have to score three or more goals on a somewhat consistent basis. This is not a Daryl Sutter series. This is not going to be a 3-2 series. This right. can end up being, as we've seen, there's, what, 19 goals through two games, I think is the most since uh, 2012 or something like that in the first two games of a series. So, um, yeah, I, I, Brandon Hale is a guy I look at to say, hey. And, and another guy is Nick Paul. Nick Paul has, what, he's got one goal in 40 games now? Yeah. I mean, you Gotta need him. You wow. need him to get on the score sheet. He had a great chance in game one. He had a great chance in the season finale against Detroit. You want to see him get his um, his offensive game going a little bit. Uh, but he's another guy you need to kind of kind of get moving and get him to the middle areas. That's where he was so successful early in the year are those just middle slot areas. And he just hasn't been there much in the second half of the season. He's got to get there. Agreed. Uh, they, yeah, this is – Kucherov and Stamco stars got to be stars. They got to score, but that secondary scoring has got to be there. And um, yeah, I, I would agree with you. I, I don't expect seven, two and seven, three, the rest of the way. I think it's going to get a little bit tighter, but I, I would agree with you. You, you want to be able to score three or four goals each and every night, or you're not going to be in these games. So, well, and you know what didn't, we didn't see last night. Like, how do they score their first two goals in game one? They got guys to the front of the net and they got rebounds, right? Yeah. Because yeah. Obviously, they see something there where Samsonov is prone to give up rebounds. We saw it last night. He gave up some juicy there. ones, yeah. And there yeah. weren't guys there. So you've yeah. got to fight your way back to that front part of the net. Uh, there's a lot of speculation, too, that Samsonov is fighting through injury. We know yeah. he missed the last couple of games. Uh, Mike McKenna, if anybody sees Mike McKenna's um, Twitter feed, you know he talked about a, a, a save that Samsonov a lot more daily coverage uh, taking place right now with the playoffs. So uh, lightninginsider.com is the website. You mentioned the pregame skate show that's on the strike, 102.5 HD2, Lightning Radio 24-7 on the mobile app. And, of course, the podcast, Lightning Game, the uh, Lightning Insider podcast is out there. And I also have another morning skate type of update podcast out there called Lightning Game Day Now. All right, it's all there for you. Uh, go to Lightning Insider and get that subscription right now. Thanks, Double E's. Appreciate it, partner. All right, boys, be well. All right, thanks. Game three coming up on uh, Saturday night.
at Amelie Arena. Um, yes, I think I think we'll have a packed house. But as I said yesterday, get there early. We need you there early. Get in your seats and be ready to go. Um, all right, what else did we? Uh, what have we missed here today? We uh, cleaned up um, all the NBA stuff. Uh, Fernando Tatis made his debut last night and uh, went 0 for 5, but hit a couple of balls hard. I hadn't realized he hadn't played in 564 days with the uh, 80 game suspension and the yeah and the now wrist injury that he had, and now he's in right field, which is so weird. And I guess he doesn't want to play. Isn't that weird? He doesn't Maybe, even want to play out no. there, but they're kind of just forcing him to do it at this point. Yeah. Which also, this you yeah, know it, what you know what bothers me about this actually with Fernando Tatis. This bothers me. I watch Quick Pitch every morning. Every mm-hmm. morning, I love me some Quick Pitch. And you know what their opening story was today? It was Fernando Tatis. What? It was all Fernando Tatis, and it was about his him coming back and this and that. And what to me is so hypocritical is that the MLB Network is pushing so much about him returning. It's like he got busted for PEDs. He got busted yeah. for PEDs. But then we're, again, to my Hall of Fame discussion, which I'd love to have, we're going to double standards here. Why are we praising this guy for coming back who was a PED user, but, again, we're going to just act like all the other PED user, D users never existed? I, just, I don't understand well, that. I don't either. He, he's such a phenomenal talent, and the fact that, you know, God, how much money has he made in the last The Padres. And I know he's been very pro-Fernando Tatis. I'm being like, dude. You have screwed us over so bad. I mean, I—I I mean, I know all the money's guaranteed and everything like that, but that is—that is some—that uh, <laughs> is not getting a lot for your money. Uh, all right, the Rays uh, host in Chicago tonight. Calvin Fauche will be on the mound tonight. Um, he hasn't started a game since what? Two twenty fourteen. Twenty as a freshman at Southwestern. 2014 is a freshman at Southwestern State in Southern California. How is Southwestern State in Southern California? Posting two, a 2-2, two, 2-5, two, two, 8 ERA. <laughs> so it's been a while since he's been, uh, since he's been a starter. So they're going to work him in as a starter tonight. And then uh, tomorrow we get what? Shane, Shane against versus, Cease versus tomorrow? Cease. Uh, a fantastic pitching matchup right there. So... If you're not as into the Lightning as you are the Rays, you got to be there for that one. Got to be there for that one. Yes. Which also, too, this yeah. weekend, uh, what, I, I can't remember if it's tonight or tomorrow, is the, the Dave Wills um, tribute. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Is that tonight or tomorrow? Um, I think it's Saturday. I yeah, think I it's Saturday. I feel like it's Saturday, yeah. But I'm not sure. Yeah, I feel, I feel like it's Saturday, but um, – Everybody, I'm sure, looking forward to that. And there have been a lot of great gestures in the name. Um, I know Cincinnati put a rose on their um, on, on the space where he normally bro- broadcasts from when they when they got into the boots. So classy move by Cincinnati. And um, of course, they're still using some of his calls on the radio. And it's, it's I think he'll always have a presence um, with this franchise uh, for a long, long time. Yeah. So that's that's good stuff. That's oh, good stuff. And also, by the way, just a little. Uh, NHL update in general, keeping our eyes on the Bruins, right? Right. What about this, Jim Montgomery said that Bergeron did not make the trip to Florida. So he is, wow. out. He is out for games three and four, guaranteed. And I think Boston, wow. I think Boston is in big trouble. Big trouble going to Florida. Ooh, that's, that game's tonight, right? 7.30? That, game, that game's tonight, o'clock. yep. 
I will definitely Big be watching that for the show. Well, listen, um, you know, it's it, Lightning got a long way to go. I'm still very confident that they can win this series. I think they're experienced, they're they're uh, goaltending, but I, I they got to get Hetty back, and I think they got to get Chernak back. What Eric said, if the protocol is to be held, and I've, I've been told that he's feeling better, but the protocol, you know, states that he can't play. I didn't know it was seven days, and you can't you can't speed that up no matter how how good you feel. So that's going to be a significant loss. But they, you know, if they can get Hetty back, I think, um, you know, I think they obviously have a good shot to win. But Turnak's a loss. There's no doubt about that. All right. Our thanks to Eric Erlinson who joined us today. Appreciate that. Dan Lucas as well from News Channel 8. In case you missed anything, you can always watch it on YouTube. Go back and watch it on YouTube, on Twitter. They're all archived on our Twitter. Also on fanstreamsports.com. We've updated the website. So check that out if you can. Got some interesting stories there. And, um, Go Bolts this weekend and go Rays. And we got NFL draft coming up next week. So lots of big shows coming up next week.